Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to Iron Show Live! And we are, we are, we are live and we are in your ear! Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. All right. We are live on the Iron Show. We don't do enough Iron Shows these days, but, uh, yeah, we are we are live and we are in your ear. And uh, tonight we have uh, with us, uh, we don't have a guest. Years. Oh, yes. Oh, the Blue Shield of Minnesota has been there. What's she that? Every step of the way. Ah. <laughs> Somebody's playing with their computer. That's not... Why Why are you playing with your computer? We're live. We are so... Live! Oops. I missed my button. <laughs> I missed my button again. I, I'm trying to get... It, this live link to work and it, my comments are scrivi qui un commento so it's in Italian <laughs> watch your buttons on the iron show oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah alright nine years in your ear buddy nine years in your ear yes we just passed the nine year mark let's see Two months ago, almost, we have been in, on the Iron Show started on August 29th, 2009, and as we crossed and passed uh, August 29th of 2018, we have achieved our nine-year mark, heading into our tenth year of Iron Show. Oh yeah, Doctor Future would always advance it, right? Because when you're 13, you're going into your 14th year, right? So. I know Dr. Future always liked to, you know, kick it up a year. So since we have passed the nine-year mark on August 29th, we are now in our 10th year. Hello! (laughs) 
All right, say congratulations, guys. Congratulations, congratulations guys. Johnny. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and uh, so tonight we have uh, we have a we don't have a guest because we have two of my co-hosts here. So Dory Lynn Etheridge, she thought she might be a guest. I think she was hoping she could be a guest, but we she's been my co-host going back to going back eight years. Dory Etheridge, she used to be Dory Lynn Etheridge, which is something I'm going to keep saying probably accidentally a lot of times. Now she's Dory Etheridge. From Dory Lynn Etheridge. I don't know. I kind of like the sound of Dory Lynn Etheridge better. Kind of rolls off your tongue, kind of. Anyway, uh, so Dory and me had been have been co-hosting shows. Um, what a, what a, she, we were co-hosting uh, Armed with Iron with Army Girl, and uh, then uh, Dory broke off and formed a show called uh, Two Shows: Doors of Deception and Third Watch. And uh, I was often a co-host on those shows also. She wasn't my co-host. I was her co-host. So, it's like, so, anyway, she's, and also, uh, we have Leonard Olivares, and he's been my co-host on the Iron Show now. So, I both dub you, both of you, official co-hosts of the Iron Show. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! (laughs) It's too much for you to take, isn't it? All right, you know, uh, we were gonna since we don't really have a guest and we're just co-hosts. Um, I thought what we could do start out the show and we could talk about chickens for a minute. Now, I I love chickens and um um I I love rubber chickens the best. I love rubber chickens because no matter how bad of a mood I'm in, if I see a rubber chicken, I start laughing. <laughs> and there have been times when I'd wanted to slap Dory Etheridge with a rubber chicken a few times. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. Oh, he did no. not say that. <laughs> so I would like uh, Leonard Oliveras, the Mexican Long Beach gangster himself, to uh, tell us the story of his chicken experience with his grandma. In Mexico. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so this is the first time that I've ever seen an animal get killed in front of me. So, well, you were going to uh, kill it, though. But well, you- the first one was a goat, and the next one was a chicken. But this chicken, my, while I was in Mexico, and where my grandma lived was like a real part of Mexico where it's like out in the boonies. It's like uh, way out there where all the Indians used to be and Aztec temples and all that stuff is at ruins and all that is out there like where my grandma or my dad grew up at. So I'm out there and there's these chickens running around and uh, she tells me to grab one of the chickens and to cut cut its head off. And she gives me this dull machete. And so I get the machete and I lay the chicken down against the wood and I hit the chicken as hard as I can with the machete. But it doesn't cut. I do it like three times and it doesn't cut. And my grandma, she's speaking some Indian dialect mixed with Spanish, gets mad, pushes me out of the way, tells my dad, you know, what is he doing, you know, with with his kids in America? And she smacks the chicken one time right in the neck and it just takes off running. And she throws the chicken's head at me. And the chicken is running, running with no head. And you're holding the chicken head. 
and I'm I'm holding the chicken head. And my grandma, <laughs> mind you, at that time was probably almost close to ninety years old. <laughs> oh, what a story! That poor chicken. Oh, oh that man, poor that poor chicken guy cracked in the cracked in the neck four times. But me doing it, it, it was a dull. I don't know why they would give me a dull machete, but obviously I didn't know how to hit it correctly. Dude, they were setting you she, up, man. Right, right. She did it. She did it one time, and and bam, that chicken was gone with with no head, and she just threw the head at me. And it really, they really do run around, huh? Right, right. They ran around, and yeah, it was pretty pretty intense, man. Mexico's pretty intense. Um, you know, I mean, some certain places like where my grandma's from, there's no refrigeration, so everything is fresh when you eat it. So if you're eating meat, it's because it was killed that morning. So, wow, that's the way it is. Yeah, we had we recently we recently here in Oregon we had a um, a chicken truck get in a crash and all the chickens fell out of their cages and they were running around and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, these uh, chicken one one chicken activist one chicken activist happened to be uh, in behind the truck when it crashed. And she called all her friends, and so there was like ten chicken activists out there on uh, that grabbed the chickens, and they wouldn't let them have the chickens back. So they called the police, right? And uh, they forced the the chicken activists to uh, give the chickens back to the truck driver to put them back in the cage to take them to be eaten. And um, finally, they the, the, they finally kicked them all out, and then one of them, one of them. Put on because there was a crew with, uh, you know, uh, those uh, high vis vests and hard hats, um, going around gathering the chickens and putting them back into their cage. They were the chicken rescue crew, you know, from Foster Farms, and so uh, there was like about like eight or nine of those guys, and so one of the activists went to the car, went to the back of her car, put on a high vis vest and a hard hat and snuck back down and was grabbing the chickens and carrying them off. And she got arrested by the cops for stealing chickens. <laughs> <laughs> so the ne- the next day, the next morning, the chicken activists that night had gone there and they had put all these little crosses. You know how when there's like a wreck on the side of the road and uh, they put crosses up, you know, with flowers and stuff? Because like somebody died in the car crash, that's so there was like about a hundred little crosses stuck in the ground for all the chickens that died in that crash the next oh, morning. Oh man! <laughs> hey man! Hey, they treat those chickens messed up. I, I remember one time when I was in uh, Washington. I was living in Washington at some at some boarding school called Goppy Boarding School, and I was out there. I remember they had us work on this chicken farm, and w- when we were working on this chicken farm, they had all there was like these. Uh, I don't know, these metal barns full of chickens, but there were cages stacked upon cages on each other. And so what they wanted us to do is they wanted us to go and walk, put each chicken a certain way. So one chicken would be facing east on one row, and then we'd pick up more chickens, and they'd be facing west on another row. So, you know, where they're not – and they can barely move, man, when you put them in that cage. Like literally, they don't even have – they can't turn. They can't do nothing. The cages were so small. But I guess what they would do is they would open those cages and they allow them to run around inside that little metal barn. Oh, and, so and then, then we put would, them back. Yeah. Yeah, so we would go in there, and when it was time to feed them, we would go and we would put them inside of those little tiny cages. But what they would tell us to do is, if you've seen like a rooster, to get the rooster and and spin it. Like grab its head and spin its body to break its neck. 
they didn't want they didn't want to keep the roosters. So we were we were and I was probably about what about fifteen at that time. So we would go. It was a whole bunch of boys. It was a boys' place where I was at. So we would go and we were just putting all these chickens in those little tiny chicken coops. I mean, they were small, man. You know, I mean, that's like pretty pretty messed up prison for them, man. You know. Oh yeah. But uh, but we were going and we would take all the roosters and we would twist their necks. And pick them up and just leave them on the floor. He, they didn't want to keep none of them, so I guess they maybe they put them down there so they can mate with the chickens. Or I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it was, but I just remember there was a, a a bunch of those barns filled with chickens, and that's how it was in there, where they can they can't even move. I mean, you you look at a, a chicken; it's like a bird. So you know they're not. You know, I mean, if it's not shot up with a gang of hormones, they're kind of small. But not to be able to turn to the left or to the right. So that you can turn around. I mean, that you can imagine just how small that was. All they could move was their neck. That's it. Just you know, it. That was it. But it's pretty crazy, though, man. Going. I. That's the first time I've ever seen anything like that before. I'm training. So this. I, I. I can see why you like rubber duckies, man. <laughs> rubber chickens. <laughs> rubber chickens. Rubber duckies and chickens. You can slap. I, I invented. Now, do you, do, now, do you take a bath with your rubber chicken? I never do. I never do. My wife gave me a rubber chicken one year, and I lost it. I don't know where that rubber chicken went, but I love rubber chickens. No matter what kind of mood I'm in, I see a rubber chicken, I start busting up laughing. I think they're so funny. They are so funny. They're so funny. Uh, the I was going down the freeway uh, one time in the winter. It was probably February. Cold. I mean, cold. It was probably about like 28 degrees going up I-5. And there was uh, one of those you know trucks with all the chicken cages in it. And those little birds, you, they were so cold. You could see them just shivering with the wind blowing in their wings. It was so sad. And so um, that night, we had an Iron Show Live. And I always put Rabbi Mike in a bad situation and ask him, Does it make you cry? <laughs> so I hit Rabbi Mike. It was one of the best Iron Show intros. I go, oh, Rabbi Mike, when you are driving down the freeway and you see a chicken truck with all those chickens in their little cages shivering in the terrible cold with the wind blowing in their wings, does it make you cry? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Rabbi Mike. He's been in so many bad situations, especially in the Viet- Vietnamese facial spa. <laughs> Dory, I bet you have a chicken story for us. I know you must have. So I was raised on a farm, and my mom was she was a bad bad ass okay i'm just really? gonna say that she she yeah, you're on the iron killed, show so yeah yeah she you can say ass you can say ass all hogs. day oh oh you can <laughs> yeah okay. yeah you can, can say sure. you can say you know all the it, caller you can it's say, in the bible right? you can say yeah. all the cuss words in the king james bible ass piss damn okay. hell and pisseth pisseth she 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 <laughs> killed pigs for a living That's oh what really she did she worked in a factory. She worked in a hog kill. So we, I was raised on a farm, and we had chickens. Hog and, kill? Uh, Did you say hog kill? Hog, H-O-G, kill. hog kill. Oh, that sounds Correct. terrible. That would be a good yeah. name for a metal band, a heavy metal band. <laughs> hog kill. Yeah. So we had chickens, and when it was time to butcher them, you butchered them like in the fall after they got all fat and everything. 
uh, we'd uh, do, you know, 25 at a time. And her job, because she could sharpen a knife like nobody I've ever seen. Really? Oh, yeah. And she would cut the heads off all the chickens and then throw the heads and set the chicken down. And I, I would a lot of times have to hold on to the feet. And then you, you drop the chicken down on the ground. It would jump up and run and blood squirting out of its neck. And then you got to heat up the water and you got to dunk the chicken in the hot water so you can pluck the feathers off easier. I don't know if everybody knows if you dunk the dunk the chicken in hot scalding water the feathers come off easier oh. and then you got to then you got to build a fire so you can singe yes. the chickens cuz there's all these little hairs underneath the feathers yes and so you got to singe them off and then of course you got to never forget you know, the smell them. I'll never it's forget the smell thing. of singeing birds yeah it stinks yeah my we used to singe our my dad's pheasants he was a hunter so, yeah yeah so anyway i'm sorry stinks. i interrupted you it's okay. Stinky, nasty work. And chickens have, uh, you know, people eat gizzards and, and you take that out of the chicken and you cut that open and it's all full of gravel and corn and gross stuff like that. I mean, it's just, but you know, chicken's delicious. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, the gizzard in a bird is, um, is uh, designed to digest rocks and things that, you know, and pieces of metal and stuff like that. And um, humans don't have a gizzard, but my brother believes uh, – my brother is a, uh, is a thoracic surgeon, highly advanced. He's a miracle worker. They fly him all over the world to do the impossible. And cool. uh, Yeah, he's uh, an experimental surgeon. Anyway, he works – he's a thoracic surgeon. That's your guts. And uh, yep. that's what he works on, you know, kidneys, liver, you know, a heart below the heart. Lean. You know, um, all your – and uh, pancreas, pancreas pan, like pancreas pie. Anyway, um, he believes that the gizzard, that the appendix is actually a gizzard. Interesting. Yes. That's very interesting. So your your brother is an experimental thoracic surgeon and you're an experimental musician. <laughs> I'm an experimental loser. <laughs> you're <laughs> I've done experiments on myself. <laughs> oh, you sounded like a chicken when you did that. That was no, nice. You know. That was nice. <laughs> I like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Um. <laughs> so. Um. <laughs> so where, where are we? Uh, we're on the Iron Show. Okay. Um. So. Uh, Brett, why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> uh, because he was stapled to the punk rocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was my mom's favorite joke. <laughs> I like it. My friend Lindsay used to be dress up like a punk rocker sometimes, and he had an earring with a cigarette butt in it, and it looked so cool. <laughs> it was a cigarette butt earring. <laughs> was it half? Was it half lit? It was, you know, it was like burned out and smashed and then made into an earring. It was so cool looking. Yeah, he, he just really wore it well. I go, man, that earring just rocks, man. That is so punk. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay. How shout out to my boy, Lindsay. He was the bass player in my original band, Avant Garde. He was the bass player. 
And uh, I actually taught him to play bass. He goes, I want to be in the band. I was like, well, you don't play anything. He goes, well, why don't you teach me to play bass? Like, okay. So he got a bass, and we spent weeks teaching him how to play bass because I play everything. But I, I didn't, not in the guard. I just was a singer. I didn't want to play nothing. I just wanted to take my shirt off and scream. But uh, he became a really good bass player. I mean, from starting from nothing. And Lindsay is a pretty amazing guy. He's still around, still here in Portland. Still one of my very, very best friends. I hang out with him from time to time. But uh, Dory Etheridge, now, some people don't know who Dory Etheridge is, even though if they're an Iron Show listener, obviously they, they probably know who you are because we go back eight years. I mean, we're like serious. Right. Serious. So, I mean, you had a show called Doors of Deception. You had a show called Third Watch. You know, um, what was Third Watch about? Remember that? Yeah, we used to just get together really late on a Friday night at like 10 o'clock or whatever. And we would talk about current events or whatever the heck we felt like it. And sometimes people would join us. Like, we'd be on Facebook in the early evening and we'd say, hey, so-and-so. Why don't you join us on Third Watch tonight? And we sometimes had quite the quite the, quite the crew. We even had Doctor Future visit us. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. It, the main mm-hmm. crew was me and you, and or say, I should say you and me, and Matthew Miller and Brian Ingram yep. were the main crew. But Rob Skiba was there. It seemed to me like a, I remember a lot. He, a lot. He would come on. A lot. He would yeah. call in and come on a lot. Yeah. And I remembered him as one of the members, but I guess you said he. You said he was just. He wasn't a member, but he was there all the time. It seemed like. Well, a lot of times when you were there, he was there. I think he. I think he was on. If you go back in the old archives, I think he was maybe on three, maybe four of the episodes. Uh, he would always call in on Friday night. Him and Brian were working on a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, behind the scenes. So Rob would come on and, and uh, call in, but you know, I started that show. So it was, it was actually me and you and Brian to begin with. And then we eventually had same thing, you know, had Matthew come on and, and uh, you know, so we could talk about like really deep things that you can't talk about otherwise <laughs> yes and there are archives available i will make i will make so we had a we had our anniversary show um here what was it two years ago and uh, i will make that available i'll put it in the show notes of this session so it'd be uh fringe radio network.com slash category slash iron that's fringe radio network.com slash category slash iron and, uh, hey, hey, you know what? You know what, Dora? I've been listening to some of your uh, well, the stuff that you have on Spreaker. Actually, for the last week, oh. I've listened to all of them, almost all of them. Oh my and, gosh! Um, it's it's kind of a trip to see how it, it's kind of weird when you when you listen to old podcasts and you see old thought processes of people. You mean of what they thought of like 2012, what's going to happen, and you know, people uh, believe in all kinds of. To see what they used to believe and where they're at now, yeah, it's kind of a trip, man. Yeah, like Rob you know? Skiba, he was like one like of Rob Skiba, <laughs> King Wells, yeah. and uh, what's oh, his yeah. name, Minister Fortson. You mean yeah. right? Yeah. We just were to all see, and, and it's crazy because <gasps> they they had Doug they Hamm. were really good researchers, right? Yeah, yes. Doug Ham, and they too. got and they, yeah, and they and they got derailed off something. Yeah, you mean dude. there was something that took their focus off what they were 
really good at. Yeah. And uh, it's crazy to see that, that, you know, that you have these, these, these really good researchers, you know, getting entangled in, in, in things that, I mean, honestly, it's, it has a really, I mean, you can say it has to do with the kingdom of God, but it really doesn't have anything to do with Christ, you know? And, um, it's, it's a trip though, seeing that it's kind of sad, you know, because these people were really actually good researchers oh, they were, and to and see where they're at now, it's kind of like, oh man, you know, like they, they, like there was something that, that ensnared them, you know, and they were, st- now they're stuck on that and they're, that's just it, you know, I mean, it kind of just like, I don't know. It's a trip, though, listening to that and then seeing where they're at now and then, you know, and seeing how people were believing. It's like in 2012, things might happen and this is going to happen. That's a trip, though, too, man, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think back. Uh, the, oh, there was a thing where the where the moon did something in 2010 or 2011 oh, where yeah. it was like, um the blood red moon was over Orion's head or something. I mean, I don't know. I haven't listened to some of these shows for a really long time, but that's kind of what caused a couple of researchers to bond over this event that, that happened in the sky. And, and it's like, you know, up in the stars. And of course the, the stars do, they, they come around, you know, every year there will be sometimes several of an event. Eclipses are more rare, but a lot of times you can see a constellation doing what it's doing um, in January, almost within a, a several days time frame, as you would be able to see, say, this January. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. Every once yeah. in a while, there's a there's an you know event that's out of the box, right? But for the most part, God chases after what has been. Right. That is true. That's right. how you know the future, by looking at what he's done in the past. Exactly. It go, it repeats in cycles, just like the planets going around the, the sun, you know? Yep. And, and the stars, you know, and everything, everything like in the universe is going around and around and coming back. It's going in a cycle, a circle. It's, uh, Matthew yep. Miller calls it... Um, Isochronal eschatology. Yes. Yes. It's, yes. Um, hey, hey, Lenny, when did you start doing a show? Uh, last year. Two shows. Yeah. Yeah, two, two shows. Yeah, like yeah, two I've years ago two more. Shows. Dude. It's been like yeah, two years since now. last year. No, it's right, been like yeah. two no, years. Two years, yeah. Yeah. So I got one called Getting Understanding, which I go to all like different denominations and different religions and ask what they believe. Talk to different missionary people that are doing like missionary work and just, you know, just 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 to talk to them, see how it is on the mission field or different Christian denominations to see what they believe, because there's really not that much that separates us. Right. But, there, you know, I, I feel like there shouldn't be a division. But, you know, that they divide over small things that are really, you know, that that are that has nothing to do with your salvation. But yet they look at it like if it does. And, um, you know, I, I always say that the devil, he's not divided, you know, but he has us divided. So and that's why there's no strength. That's why you go to a church and you can go to like where I live within a, a square mile radius. You have like 40 different churches you know, in such a small condensed area, that many churches, but all the churches are dead, you know, and a lot of them don't even know each other. They don't even speak with each other, which is sad, you know, and this is why you have so much drama going on in the streets, 
you know, and uh, but at the same time, people are going towards spirituality stuff like, you know, witchcraft or, you know, magic and because they have a sense of they're missing something, you know, which is yep. I mean, because the Holy Spirit is supernatural. I don't like to say Absolutely. mystical. I, I don't like to use the word mystic or mystical. I don't have anything against those that use that. I To me, it just sounds like magic. So I kind of stay away from that. But I, I use more of a supernatural with the Holy Spirit. You mean the power of God? I uh, That's what people are looking for is they're missing that's and the churches you know they're 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 dry you know they're just there's just dust coming out of their mouth there's no there's no living water in them and 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 it's like that because you know they're separated they're divided and they divide against the most you know to me it's it's stupid what the stuff that they divide over you know which there's a lack of discernment you know in in the body of Christ, so yeah, I yeah. I like to go to different denominations and just talk to different uh, pastors and to see what they believe. And I like to go to different religions too. Like I interviewed a Muslim and and went to their mosque and was able to go and and actually preach the gospel in the mosque. That with, was you cool. Know, with, that was a cool show. Right with some Muslims in there, you know. And um, I'm going to be going to a Santa Marte priest. That's what I'm looking temple. forward to. I, yeah, I, that that was my idea. That was my idea. I told Leonard, I go, you got to go talk to Santa Muerte. Because, okay. you know, you so, watch Breaking Bad. If you watch Breaking Bad, that's where you can. If you watch yes. that, you'll learn all about the Santa Muerte. That's what the cartels okay. kind of worship. Yes. The cartels worship Santa Muerte. I've got a book called Narco Cults by Tony Kale that talks about um, not only Santa Muerte, but many other things that uh, cartels use to. Yeah, I got, I got one of his books too, but it's yeah. I think it's that one Santa Muerte, though, the one he has. Yep, Santa Muerte. Very yeah. interesting. Uh, so, why are you going to talk to a. Uh, is it a. Is it a Santa Muerte priest, or is it an actual church, or is it well, a he's shrine? A, he's a he's a it's an actual priest in their temple. And so what I like to they do have is a li- temple like a yeah, brick and mortar like yeah. building. Yeah, so they have a couple temples in Los Angeles. So uh, this is a smaller, one, but um, I I like to go. I like to to talk to other religions to find out exactly what they believe instead of the stuff that you research and you find on the internet. I I, I like to talk to those that are actually practicing it. You know, that's good and, for you, man. Yeah, oh, it's a because great I don't, show. I, I always like to just just to go up there and, and to, um, you know, make some type of relationship with them and speak with them. And, and you know, and the, the whole the whole focus oh, is to preach the gospel and the mm-hmm. whole folk, the whole focus is to get the body of Christ, you know, to build them up, to edify them so that they know. When they're talking to somebody and they say the Holy Spirit and they may be from a different religion, they know exactly what that means. You know, if they're talking about Christ and and you go to a Muslim and, you know, like I said, when they talk about the Holy Spirit to them, it's the angel Gabriel. You know, it's not how we look at it as the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and they believe that Jesus Christ is coming back, that that uh, that the um, the they're, I guess person that's coming back is going to be coming with christ he's christ is going to be the main person that's coming back they say and their prophet who or whoever they're waiting for their uh mahdi or whatever that's coming back is going to profess christ and christ is going to profess allah so Mm. that's how 
that's how they look at it. Interesting. Yeah. So, that, so the Mahdi, I guess that they're they're what we, and see, I never knew that. I always thought that they had an they had a, a antichrist that was going to come, and it's not like that. They're waiting for a certain prophet to come, and that prophet is going to point to Christ, and their Christ is going to point to Allah. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but it's not quite as bad as people think. So many times, you know, you actually talk to the real guys. Like, he went and talked to a Seventh-day Adventist. He goes, well, I heard you guys believe this. I heard you guys believe that. And the preacher's going, uh, no. Uh, right. No. So it's, you know, all the stuff you hear on Facebook, on the Internet, a lot of it is just propaganda. And he's going right. to talk to – he's going to go to a Catholic church to find out what they really believe, which is way different than what you hear, you know, on the Internet, you know, and stuff. It's – uh. It's what they what do they really believe? What's well, a lot different when you actually talk to them? Uh, right. What about this? Did you talk to the Santa Muerte priest? You talked to him? Yeah, I've talked to him. So what was the uh, conversation? You have already? Yeah. No, well, no, I haven't talked to him yet. I'm talking. I'm actually doing the interview next next Friday. I know, but how did you so, set it up though? That's what I'm saying. Oh no, I just I just called him up and let him know what you know that uh, type of shows right. that I do that I'm a Christian. I just called him up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I told him, I said, look, man, I go, I, I go, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, entrap you or like make fun of what you believe. I really w- honestly want to know what you believe and how you incorporate Christ because they do. Like if you look on his page, he has all these scriptures. They're called poems of the Bible and they're in Psalms, Matthew. He has like a whole bunch of scriptures on there, like like 200 scriptures that he puts on there. But right. It's mixed. Because there's a magical book, and uh, it's based on the Psalms. Oh. They have – the Santa Muerte has a magical book based on Psalms? Uh, I I don't know if if they do, but I know he he probably uses that. But but what I'm saying, I I just – I want to see what they believe because there's a lot of people in my – I live in the Los Angeles area – there's a lot of people as far as like the Hispanic culture. They are you see them with little red ribbons on their on their uh, wrist and some and they have little charms on it. It's either an eye or it's a hand with an eye in it. Yes. Or, you know, it's just and I you know, and it's it's connected to that, though. And so what they tell me. Like when I meet these people and I see them, I always ask questions. I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not shy. So like when I see people, I'm like, hey, man, what does that mean right there? Why do you wear that red ribbon? And they're like, oh, it's for protection. They're all mainly what we're what you're supposed to do when a baby is born. You put this red ribbon around their wrist to uh, to to keep them safe from any kind of dark energy. They're always talking about energy. So I mm-hmm. guess that goes towards the God of forces. Right. So. They're but always they, talking about energy. So, but the Santa Muerte cult—they're actually Christians. They're just really, really weird Christians. Really weird. Well, I don't. I, I, you know, I don't know what they are. I just from what I've heard about them, it's not very good. You mean? No, but, they, but I mean, they're like I will, Catholics. When I talk I mean, to them, yeah, I mean, they do believe well, in Jesus. They, I know they that. Say they're. Yeah, they say they're Catholics, but the Catholic Church doesn't recognize them <laughs> no. as Catholics. <laughs> no, because the Catholic Church doesn't have Saint Death. Right. But you know what? But you know what's weird, though, and this this is kind of weird. It's interesting. Uh, maybe about like in nineteen, uh, I would like well, maybe about two thousand. In two thousand, I had a dream, and this was when I was out in the streets. This is when I was out getting high and doing meth and all that. But I was asleep, and I was at my girlfriend's house, and um, I remember in this dream, I, it's okay. So in this dream, I walked. There was these rooms. 
And I walked into one. It was a hallway in each hallway had doors. So I walked into one door of the hallway and inside there was a classroom. When I sat in the class, I sat down on, on, on in the classroom. I sat on the desk and I was looking up at the chalkboard. And then I heard something behind me. And as I turned around, I seen this grim reaper, right? And he had a whole bunch of marijuana on, on, on his table. And he was rolling blunts, right? And um, I asked him, I said, what are you rolling all those blunts for? He's all, oh, because this is for the smell. And I said, for what smell? He said, he said, he looked behind his back. He pointed behind his back. And there was these people that were picking up dead bodies. And they were throwing dead bodies on top of each other. And so in this classroom, I guess it was like incense. So the, the weed was like incense to cover up the smell of death, uh, you know. And so mm-hmm. I, after, after I got out, after uh, I got up and I walked out, I walked into another room. And when I walked into this other room, the floor, when I walked in there, the floor was like completely soaked with, with this thick substance i didn't know what it was until i looked on i looked down and it was blood and um the, it was it was on the carpet so the carpet was so filled with blood it was like that when i would take a step my foot would like sink into the carpet but it was but it was like super thick with blood and so i was like you know stepping it, it's almost like if i was stepping in mud wow and um i looked up and i seen this woman floating and when I looked up, she was in a white wedding dress. And the white wedding dress, she, her face, she was death. That's what I was looking at. Whoa. And what's interesting in the Santa Muerte, their, their cult, they always have their saint death in a wedding dress. In mm-hmm. a white wedding dress. Whoa. A red right. wedding dress. It's like a prophetic dream. Yeah, it's a trip, man. Wow. Okay, so there's a book they use in Kabbalah, and it's called The Sixth and Seventh Books of Moses. And they are magical uses of the Psalms. And that's just one example of a magical practitioner's book using Psalms. Right. I, I looked on his page and I can see that he does study the Kabbalah because he has all kinds of stuff that has to do with that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but I just want to go there and I just mm-hmm. want to, you know, find out awesome. yeah, what they believe and totally just, you awesome. know, get a chance to be able to minister the gospel, you know, and God, yep. because, you know, uh, it's like this, you know, there's about the same amount of uh, same amount of demonic activity on Skid Row as there is in that temple. So, it's no different, you know. Right. We, you go out in the streets, there's just that much. And the thing is, is that, you know, we have the power of God. We have the truth, you know. And the thing is, these are just people that God loves. And mm-hmm. and they're they're searching, you know. I mean, it, that goes towards, like, your testimony. I mean, God loved you. Even right. when you were even when you were practicing magic, even right. when you were searching and you were looking, there was something that was missing in you and oh, and you and you searched through it through all these different avenues. It's the same thing with them. They mm-hmm. they they have they have the op they have the uh to put the potential to have the same testimony as you. Amen, that's how, brother. That's how, Amen. That's how, that's how I look at it. So when I look at that priest, I look at him as having the same potential as you. Actually, the same potential as having anybody that's Steve Bancars or Doreen Virtue, 
for goodness sakes. I mean, for glory, hallelujah, I felt like it was my birthday. I found out that Doreen Virtue became a Christian in January of 2017. Her, one of her magic books was one, was the very first book I ever read on magic. And she's a Christian now, born again, believer, denouncing and renouncing her own work. She famously is the author of those angel cards that a lot of Christians are bringing into their little folds. And because it's angels, they somehow think that that's okay. (laughs) Right. Right. And, you know, I also want to talk about like, you know. Just like their ceremonies and, 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 you know, casting circles, how important that is and, and music as far as, you know, tones and how important that is in their worship. Because I, I think it's important for uh, the body of Christ to understand that they see this as important. So we mm-hmm. need to see that as important, too. You know I mean, they yeah. feel like this, these certain you know, uh, chants and these certain uh, casting circles and, and, and within the, you know, and putting whatever your will inside of it or whatever, they feel like that has potential of power. And it does, you know, but it's, it's, it has your power, the power, it's demonic power. It's not God's will, you know, it's your own will. Well, and- see, contemplative prayer, contemplative, excuse me, let me try to say it right. Contemplative prayer is a form of that, what you just talked about, the chanting and the, you know, the repetition and the, the focus on that which you are contemplating or focusing upon is, is done to achieve a desired result, which in its essence is the definition of magic. When you right. were, when you used to be a, a witch or a shaman, I, I like to say you're an yeah. ex witch. I know you do. <laughs> did you, when you were a witch, when you were a witch, when you were a witch, did you ever cast a spell or put a hex on somebody and it worked? Okay. First of all, the first thing that you learn if you, okay, because in the world of witchcraft, there, there is the belief that there is white and black and really um until uh, until i did find jesus christ there is no white and black it's all the same it's just a different flavor okay so wanting to be a glenda the good witch <laughs> i you know wanted to only do good things oh and- so you were not an evil witch no, I didn't sacrifice chickens or anything like that. You weren't like the, uh, the one in the Wizard of Oz with the green face? Oh, no, 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 no. The, the sister with the fairy costume on, you know, the one that's good, that I shows always, you the way home. I always imagined okay, so, you in a pointed hat, and your little dog, too. <laughs> right. I actually have a Karen Terrier now, by the way. Anyway, um, so you start studying magic, and you are told basically the law of three, whatever you do comes back on you three times. So, and then there's the tenfold law too, but mostly it's, it's a, it starts out with the three and there's progressions, of course. Is that true though? Is that true? Is whatever you do comes back on you three times? Is that actually true? 
uh, God actually, in his word, has uh, something that the the pagans and witches and magicians have borrowed, and that is you reap what you sow. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's sort of the same principle. The as above, so below, God said it first. Right. They borrowed it. Yep. Okay. So, no, I didn't ever put a, okay, now that's a lie. I did, I I actually did cast a spell once um, against someone and that, and then I learned that you're not supposed to do that. So then I did had it, to do things to undo uh, what I had done. Did it okay, work? So. Did, it, did it work? Spells work. Yes, they do. So because... when you cast a spell on that person, did it work? Oh, no, not on that person. Oh, because you took it back. Yeah, but other things that you do, especially this, um, what do I want to call it? Dream casting, vision casting, okay, where you uh, envision and you, you, you project really, you're projecting that vision out into the ether. And Johnny, I think we did a show on the ether one time. Didn't we have that Eric guy on maybe? Yes. Eric Um, Anderson, who is on the fringe radio network. He has a show. He has a show called outlaw nation. That's fringe radio network.com slash category slash outlaw. So that sort of thing actually happens to hold a great degree of power. And uh, you can always add to it by demons are particularly fond of certain things. So you don't think of them as demons, though. You, You get with groups of people who tell you, you know, why are you trying to keep yourself away from uh, your abduction experiences? Okay. Why don't you embrace that? Because it's, it's a, you've been chosen by them for a very special purpose. So instead of trying to keep yourself away from that, embrace it. And that's what I did. And then you get sucked further into the mire and you don't even know it. And then you're working with spirit guides, okay? Because these are your your guardian angels and, and angels are in the Bible. So therefore, that's a really good thing. And you endeavor to communicate with them. And of course, they communicate back. And you'll do automatic writing or when I was in my ET experiences and I was designing the crop circles, literally at night when I went to sleep, it was like they were downloading a symbolic language into my brain, which I then used to create crop circles. Did you understand what it meant, the language? Did you understand what the symbols meant? No. Oh, okay. No. Uh, so it was just, it was all there. It was like a big download. And, uh, you know, someone asked me recently, uh, when you went out to work with the Palladians to, to do the, to put the crop circles in, how was it done? I said, with thought, you think it, you think the shape and boom, instant. 
Wow. You know, you know that's interesting because um, I've never, I've never read books about magic. I've never studied magic when I was out in the streets. But yet, now that I'm saved and I hear the things that were magic, those are the things that I was already doing naturally with inside myself. Like I would visual, and nobody ever taught me this. So I would. Uh, I, I told you this before, Johnny, and I think Michael too. That when I was in the streets. Like if I wanted to be with somebody, a girl, I would visualize that girl and I would visualize in my mind me being with her. And so I would look at her and I would in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to put these thoughts in her head. So when she looks at me in my eyes, I'm I'm going to be like beaming these thoughts into her mind, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and, and yep. so I, w- I would concentrate on her looking at her her head and so i would concentrate and i would be thinking 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 and like thinking hard and in in myself i felt like i was projecting like my thoughts into her mind and then there was times where i would say people's names i'm like let me see if this works man so i would look at them and they're they'd be turned you know they're turned around doing whatever and i would say their name inside of my head as i was staring at them like at the back of their mind like the back of their brain, and I would say their their name, and they would turn around and look at me. Wow! You know, and yep. and so and so I used to do those type of things. You know, like I would be in my bed, and I would be like thinking of somebody, and I'm like, I'm gonna send this thoughts to that person. So I would I I I would lay down, and I would think hard enough about certain things with this person, and and then. You know, I would end up being with that person, or I would end up getting the things that I I wanted. Without ever reading any kind of magical book, and right. this is why this is why I say that it's a demonic spirit because it was a it was a demonic yeah. spirit that was teaching me that. Exactly. It it was it was it was so it's 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 uh, people think that okay the Illuminati runs the world. It's not. There's there's yes there's there's fractions of people that have power and that are in authority, but the main thing is the spirit that's behind that person. That is. That is what's in control, is the spirit, is this anti-God, anti-Christ spirit, which is working in everybody that's in disobedience. So when I was out there and I was living in sin, it was working in me. There wasn't somebody coming to me telling me, hey, you need to do this. It was demonic spirits whispering in my ears thinking that it was my own thoughts, thinking that these came from original thoughts. And these weren't original thoughts at all. These were the same familiar spirits that have been from the beginning of time, you know, that have been that were working in me. So when I hear stories about witchcraft, I'm like, man, that's the stuff that I used to do. But I've never read those books. I've never like, you know, it was just I was that far into in into the darkness. You know, and I, I think I exactly. opened my I opened I opened my heart and my mind to that because I used to do a lot of LSD, man. I used to do a lot of LSD. Yep, I used, I used to do a, I used to smoke a lot of crystal meth. You know, I used to I used to smoke you know a PCP. But I used to do all the drugs all at once, and so I would try to get as high as I can. You know, and I would open and I would always say I'm opening my and this is what I would say naturally. I would say this like things like these. This is the type of words that would be coming out of my, my mouth that I'm open myself up to the spiritual realm. And I would look at myself when I'd be walking down the street and I had a, a spiritual vision of myself as a black cobra. And and that's what how I used to look at my like when I used to fry an LSD and I'd be walking down the street, you know, selling dope. And I would picture myself as I was walking 
as a, like my head was the head of a black cobra. And that's how right. I would envision myself. And, and then, you know, yeah, exactly right. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to jump in here because I want to make a point about what you've been saying. You're exactly right about that spirit that's behind it and how you didn't have to read a book. Uh, they were working in you because you were allowing things in your life that demons love. Remember I said earlier that demons are, are, are attracted to particular things. They are attracted to anti-God, anti-Christian things, drugs, alcohol, sex, abuse, uh, BDSM, uh, that kind of thing, control, uh, they're, they're attracted to all of these things. So if you're living in that kind of an environment, you've already let them into your life. Uh, every time you smoke that, that crack or take the LSD or drink a quart of Southern comfort there, you're allowing, you're opening the gates and you're allowing them in. And those demons will, teach you things. A lot of things that I knew, I knew way before I ever picked up a book and the book then verified that whatever it was I had been told um, by them. I had one, one teacher who called them them or they, they will, you know, write this book for you. They will do this. They will do that. Um, so you're exactly right about that. And I just wanted to, to just jump in there and just let you know that, yes, that's how it works in people who have never even picked up a book. Right. Right. And I would also see like, like, like weird demonic, I would say like angels or demons in like extreme violence, man. You know, um, I, it would just be like, like a ravaged dog. Like ju I would actually see it like jumping from people to people to people. Yeah. Like, like instantly, yep. you know, like, it, and it would just be jumping like, like if it was like a, like, like if it was like a, I don't know, like a Doverman just jumping like from bam, 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 like just jumping on people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think yep. because the environment where I was at was, you know, it was all dark. It was all darkness. I mean, um, it was all darkness. Mm -hmm. And I and I, you know, I, I was open to that, even though I knew about God, I was I was living my life in sin. You know, I was living in, yep. in, in, in sexual, you know, with women and all that. I would find that it was easy for me to control people through sex. You mean? Yeah. And 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 I found like. I heard some of your shows, like my thought process while I was with that person, I'd be thinking certain things. And then, you know, I, I, without even, and now that I'm a Christian and I hear about the things about magic and sex magic and all that stuff, it's like, man, you know, I, you know, that's the stuff that I was doing without mm -hmm. even realizing that I was doing that. And I, there would be instances in, you know, not to get too deep into it, but there'd be instances where I would see like Shiva. I don't know if you know the uh, mm -hmm. that goddess that had all those arms. Yes. So I would in in there'd She's be called the destroyer. Yeah, there'd be moments where I would be with a woman, and in those moments, I would see that in that person, mm -hmm. like the person would be like that, and it would, and I would like kind of like, whoa, that was weird, 
you know, and, and there was one time was I, I was with this girl and I sat down and um, on the bed and there was this mirror that was on. It was in a hotel and there was this mirror that was on top of the roof, right on the ceiling. Um, I looked up at the mirror and I seen this black entity come at the end, the edge of the bed sitting there. And I'm like, what? And then the black entity, it was this was in the mirror and it yep. looked up. It looked up like if it was looking down at me. Right. And and then I jumped up like, what the heck? And the girl's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, did you see that? She's like, no, I didn't see that. And I, I was just like, oh, man, I'm tripping. Maybe I've been up too long. I've been up for like five days and, you know, not eating. I've been actually it's fasting. I've been fasting with no food, no water. You mean just like fasting because that's what it is. When, when you're on methamphetamines, you don't right. eat, you don't sleep, you're fasting. Right. That's what you do when you fast. Right. You know, and so you, you're opening yourself up. And yeah, I, those there was I was actually doing things that that had to pertain to magic, you know, that uh, mm -hmm. that were magic, you know, so, so it, it was always my will. It was never God's will. It, right. Everything that I projected always had to do with what I wanted. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's magic. That's black magic, really. Um, it's only the one side of the magic because there. Magic is metaphysics, and, and the laws of physics apply, uh, it, again, as above, so below, okay? Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you're studying something that's causing you to only focus on what you want, what's good for you, what you, what you need in your bank account, what you need to be driving, what you, 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 me, 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 me. If you're only focusing on that, there are ramifications that are going to come with that. You may not recognize that those ramifications, bad things will happen, but you might not associate them with all of your focusing on, oh, I'm going to concentrate every morning on what I need in my life for me. Okay. There's serious consequences that go along with that. And at some point, if you do, but in somewhere in your heart, it, Jesus knows where you live and he will bring you to the point where you're, he knock you flat to get you to look up. Okay. The one thing though, that is really people who have had experiences like you've had Leonard and like I've had those super supernatural experiences once we are in the bag for Jesus Christ and he is it for us. He is our Lord and savior and he fills us with everything that we need. And we care about other people and we pray for other people and we put other people's needs ahead of our own. That is power. Okay. And we have had supernatural experiences. So when we have that supernatural power of Jesus in us, I think it's a little bit easier for us to recognize it. If we've come from a magical worldview before we become imbued with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. 
Right. Right. This is why this is why I like to talk to people from other religions and <laughs> that yep. are, that are that are into like witchcraft and you know, because you know once they because they understand the supernatural already. Yep. They understand, you know, they're not, you know, it once they once they have the truth and the life, there there's like there's I always say it like this, those people that are that are have been drug dealers, gang members that are used to the police watching them, the FBI and all that, you know, they're used to already kind of that kind of conspiratorial conspiracy conspiracy type of mind frame, right? Where they're right. thinking that the government's watching them and these are watching them and you know, they already know about pain. Once they become saved, they understand they've seen the darkness already. Yep. Like, you know, there's they they've uh, they understand they understand about snakes because they used to be a snake. So they understand about how to conduct themselves in a room full of snakes, how to how how you're able to walk and not get bit, you know, mm -hmm. how you're able to to walk in this world and not be of the world because you've been already a part of the world. But you're you're actually you've been taken out and God has given you wisdom from what you've learned from your past to be able to recognize what's real and and what's fake. And right. even even in the world, as you're as you're in the world, somebody that's in the world, they recognize what's real. That's there's a saying in, in the streets, real recognize real or game recognize game. You can recognize something that's real or fake, somebody that's a liar or somebody that's telling the truth, you know, because it, right you on. have to because it can because there can be situations when you're when you're in that type of a uh, violent environment where it can be life or death for you. That Absolutely. you you better you better know how to tell if somebody is being real or somebody is being fake because you just might end up being shot that night at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. So you you better know how to be able to read the situation of what's going on. But when exactly. you become but when you become a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, now you have discernment. Plus, God is using what you've went through and to and and you know of of. All the things, the situations that you've been, all the uh, those feelings that you had, God is using those. He's using those so that you can speak to other people, so that you can be able to, like you, like you were in witchcraft before. You can talk to somebody that's in that, and and you understand, you know, you understand ab uh, about that, you know. Now you can speak with them, you know. Um, the Holy Spirit uses that, uses all those situations that you've gone through. If you were molested as a child, he'll use those things. If you, you know, if you were abused as a child, if anything, any neglect, whatever the case may be, God will use whatever you've went through to glorify him. Yeah, because God know? wastes nothing. No. The, the, the word tells us God wastes nothing. And, and, you know, and his word does not return void. I like so, that. Johnny, what do you, what do you got, man? What's up? Oh, I, I was just, you guys were going after it. You know, I was just like, I'm backing out of here. Chasing it down. It was good. You guys were chasing <laughs> it down. I'm like, I'm going to back out, you know, and eat some chili and listen to you. So <laughs> I had some chili and some saltine crackers. I had some, uh, yeah, I had some stag chili. It's good stuff. Uh, um, I made chili the other day, mm. and then the next day after I made the chili, I made cornbread and honey butter to go with the chili. Cornbread, cornbread. Again, the Green Mile. Remember the Green Mile? 
The guy wanted yeah. his the guy won the guard's wife's cone cone bread. Cone some, bread. Count some of that cone bread. Yeah, for his last right. meal. He goes, What do you want for oh, the last yeah, meal? Yeah. I want some of that cone bread. That right. poor guy. That poor guy. What a what a sad movie, The Green Mile. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it, that always makes me cry. It makes me cry. Oh no. <laughs> no! I want to. Oh. I want to hear about a spell that you did that worked, and I want to hear what it was and and how and. You know, Johnny, when I got saved, I asked the devil to take away everything he ever gave me, oh. and so it's it's difficult sometimes for me to recall some of uh, these things. Traumatizing as as well, I bet. Well, and lately I've. Well, you know, years ago, once I started the Doors of Deception show and then ran across, uh, you know, some other people that I went into ministry with and we needed to talk about these things because they were relevant to what's going on in the world. And I had to go back and I had to reread, restudy, redig on things that before I got saved, if you asked me about it, I could snap my fingers and rattle off to you the whole nine yards about the situation where now I have to go back and I have to look it up. And I'm finding that this is happening to me again with things that are going on in the world. People that are Christians are looking at past events and they're recognizing magical symbols when they see them and they're researching this and, and bringing these things forward and um, studying them. And I am learning all over again things that I learned back in 2004, 2005, 2006, and then I got saved late in 2009. Well, the last day of 2009 is when I got saved. So, I mean, it's it's difficult. Um, but I can tell you that if you are endeavoring to practice magic and witchcraft, you keep a... a a diary. It's called a grimoire, and you track what works and what does not work, so that it can become repeatable. Oh, right. And if the people out there that are practicing witchcraft and magic, et cetera, et cetera, if they are not getting paid off, okay, so to speak, if they're not getting rewarded for their effort, their energy that they're expending, they're not going to do it. Oh, it has to work. It, so, of so course it works. They find it, out what works and then they keep works. developing it, right? Right. And then it becomes the next level and the next level and the next level. So, I give mean, me, give me I an example. Give me an example of something they could do that worked. Like a real world example. Well, Some spell those guys could do and then how it worked. How I, it worked. I, I, I really, really, really don't care to share that sort of stuff, oh. Johnny. Oh. Uh, because well, I. Well, how am I not... supposed to know what you care about? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't want people to go. She don't want oh. people to go out there and, and be like, let me try that real quick. Oh, oh let me try okay. That. Let me buy this candle, this colored candle, and let me let me find out which planetary hour corresponds to this particular colored 
candle that I have and let me write down four lines or three or six or nine of rhyming words that I can say while I'm lighting this candle and walking in a circle and during a certain planetary hour that corresponds to whatever it is I am trying to manifest in my life. Okay. One thing about spells is it's not for lazy people. It's hard work, oh, right? My. It's really you hard know, work. Hey, you know what? That reminds me, Dory, of when you were saying that uh, I would lighten candles. I was in Vegas one time. I was out here, and I had, like came up on a whole bunch of stuff, and I went to Vegas, right, to get mm-hmm. rid of it. And when I went to Vegas, I ended up meeting these dudes on the street, and I'm like, hey, man, you guys want to buy a gun? I was telling them, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, I know this girl that might want to buy some stuff. So it was like probably like 3 in the morning, and it was like right behind the MGM, and before, back then, the MGM used to have these apartments, like projects. They're not mm-hmm. there no more, but they they used to be there. And um, there was this, they were like, they knocked on this girl's door and they were scared. Like, they knocked real loud. I'm like, dude, what are you knocking lightly for? So I started banging on the door, like, hey, kick back, man. And the girl came out and I could see, and these dudes were like cholo dudes, ball head, gangster dudes, and they were scared of this lady. And I'm like, what are you scared of, man? And they, I, you know, she came out and then she seen me. She looked at me and she looked at them. And then he's like, oh, he has all this stuff he wants to sell. And she's like, oh, hey, you can come in. And she told them to leave and they left. I end up, long story short, I end up being with that girl for over six months from that day that I walked in her house. Come to find out she was a witch. I didn't know she was a witch, though, but I started to see weird things when I went in there. (laughs) She started to... she used to wear a bandana, right? But right. She used to, but I noticed there was something weird about the way she wore it. She wore it like uh, like in a pyramid. She, I don't know. It was weird the uh, way she tied up her bandana on her head. Only like certain times she would do this. It's like a certain shape, like a pointy. Yeah, yeah, like a certain shape she would do. I'm like, why is she wearing it? looks stupid. Why is she wearing it like that? <laughs> So I would, you know, there'd be times where I'd, you know, because I used to always manicure my own hands. I used to, I used to like my hands being nice. Like oh, you were big... a fancy gangster. Right, oh, right. Yeah. I used to like my fingernails manicure. I used to manicure my, because maybe because nice. my dad used to manicure his hands. So I used to get clear nail polish and, you know, file my nails, cut them, clean them, you know, and, and, and put the clear polish on them. Right. right. So it's always worried about. And so when I would cut my nails, because sometimes I would let one nail grow longer for to snort like cocaine or right. to like yeah, uh, your pinky. You know, meth. That was big in right. the 70s to grow your Can pinky. You shave your nail clippings. I would shave my head in the sink and she would always be like, let me let me uh, let me I'll clean that up. Don't worry about it. Oh, she wanted then, your hair. My nail. I, I cut my toenails, my fingernails and she would all oh, let me clean that up. Think, think nothing, nothing up. Her son was a little weird. He was like six years old. He was talking about skeletons under his bed. Talking about skeletons underneath his bed, sure. weird stuff like that. So I would, so you know, I I grew up Pentecostal. So I would sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. I would sing that to him, and right. he'd, start, he'd start hissing at me. Hissing? Whoa, like a snake. He's like like that. Whoa, and I. She demonized her child. Sort of like Dracula when he sees the cross. Well, what was crazy <laughs> as like he cat. kept doing that, I kept singing louder, and then he would calm down. He would calm down, and he'd start smiling. You know what I mean? And then he, oh, I like you. You know what I mean he would tell me that? And uh, he was a little boy. I felt bad for him because I had I had oh, kids too. Kidding. So, uh, but I didn't know what was going on. So, right. One day, 
this was strange. I, I came home and all the lights were off and there was candles lit, white candles. And, um, and then she told me, hey, sit down. I, I made you some food. And, and she came out and she pulled out this platter of food. I don't know if it was chicken, had chicken, potato, <laughs> corn. To the chicken. Making right, me hungry. But, but when she gave it to me, the first thing that came into my mind was this is an offering, like an oh. offering tuck. That's oh, how no. that's the first thing that came into my brain. I'm like, this is Probably weird. Not. Like this is weird. Like the way she set up the whole meal, like mm-hmm. everything was like perfectly like, like a ritual. It was placed, like a ritual. Mm-hmm. I like, here, eat. And I ate and I'm like, ah, this is strange, man, right? So one day, uh, you know, I, I was gathering all that and some other girl came over that liked me, her friend. And I remember her friend kept looking at me, talking to me, and she was flirting with me. All of a sudden, her chest, like right there above her, her throat, started to bleed. Like, all, like her pores were opening up and blood was coming out of her pores Whoa. right there. Dude. Chest and throat. And she and and she was looking at me. She's like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh!" She started like, there, she didn't get cut nowhere. It just started bleeding. Yeah. And she took off, you know. And then that's when the girl, oh. she, the girl said, "Yeah, that girl liked you. She was flirting with you." I'm oh. like, "Dude, I, like, what happened? Why is she bleeding?" She's like, "I don't know." So, that, that, yeah, do you right. remember? Do you she guys remember? In right. the, I grew up. In, so, so, sorry. Okay. So. I went so one day I went to the refrigerator to get some ice. And when I went in the refrigerator, so mind you, all this stuff, I'm collecting all this stuff in my mind, all this weird stuff, right? right. That's happening. That it that's not that's sitting not right with me. I went in the refrigerator and I seen in a bag, there was two bags. One bag had all my hair that I had shaved my head with oh, no. in a bag. Then it had my fingernails Ooh. and toenails in another bag Ooh. in the freezer. Ooh. In the freezer. Yeah, preserving them totally. I'm like, what is going on? She was controlling you. So I took it out, and then I went to go look, and I remember she had all these books. And I went, and um, at that time, she was into, uh, I forgot, No Doubt, like that singing group called No Doubt. Oh, yeah. She's really into them for whatever reason, right? And then um, I think it, because they they were talking about the, the moon and all that you know she would sing about that or something like that but i seen a book up there and it was the encyclopedia for for witches and witchcraft or something like that Mm -hmm. and i remember i opened it and it had all those pages folded where it talks about hair fingernails Mm -hmm. and i'm like the heck this girl was casting a spell on me man and she was a witch yes absolutely 100 percent. and she was doing the stuff that I wouldn't do because I thought, you know, that made me more like Glenda, the good witch. But she was using those things. Uh, Fingernails, hair are extremely popular and easy to get your hands on. And she was using those to control you for whatever uh, reason how long did you stay with her and how did you get away from her oh once i seen that i said you because because i had a bible with me <clears throat> but and um you know and once i seen that, i confronted her mm-hmm. i said like i go doing this stuff on me i said you know i don't believe i said you know what man i said the devil's even though i was out there all crazy i said the devil's sure. a liar man 
I go, right. I don't, that, you know what? That's a, all that stuff's a light. I go, you need to, and I started telling her she needs to repent and ask Christ. Christ is the only power, the Holy Spirit. I said, you know what? I'm gone. And I left that day. Right. Good for you. I was like, oh, please, crying, crying. I just left. Sure. I never, so she, I never could, back. she couldn't have much power over you. Do you remember? No, um, and this not is anymore. A, this is a totally <laughs> different subject, but do you remember? Well, you guys are too young, but in the 70s, um, the the bloodless surgery in the Philippines was really bad. Oh yes, you remember of that? Of course. Oh. Oh yes, absolutely. I am not that young, Johnny. Oh, okay. I'm 56, so we're not going to ask okay. you for your age. But so you remember the bloodless surgery in the Philippines? Oh yes, absolutely. That was really big in the 70s. Anyway, my band teacher in uh, junior high, Mr. Bell, and uh, he went. He had a uh, cancer, and he went to the Philippines, and he flew down there. And uh, went to the bloodless surgery, surgery guys, and they were all Christians. He wasn't a Christian. And he was amazed and that they were Christians. He thought they were like, you know, um, you know, New Agers or whatever. But they were really hardcore Christians. And uh, before he could do the surgery, I think he had to get saved. And he didn't really like that idea because... He wasn't a Christian. He didn't really like Christians very much, but he wanted to live. So anyway, right. they, he got saved, and then they – what most of it was was them in a circle around him. He's on a table, and they were praying for him. They were just praying for him right. in Jesus' name over and over again. And finally – now he had – when he went – when he flew down there, he took along a really nice movie camera that he had, and he filmed the whole thing, and it showed the guy – um, finally, after they were done praying, you know, his belly was exposed and everything, and he sh- it, it, his wife was filming it, and he showed it, and the, and the priest guy put his fingers right on his belly, and he started working it, like all your, like if you put your thumb and your two fingers together yeah. in, in a point, yep. so that, you, and he would kind of dig and dig and dig and get at, get at a pore, he would dig at a pore, finally get a pore and get his fingers in there. He would do. He opened it up. It was like seven, eight inches a hole. I, I've seen this this magic trick. And before. well, no, but no, I've seen it repeated. But no, it wasn't a trick because his wife was it filming it. No, she was filming it. They are okay. Do you know who David Copperfield is? Yeah. Okay, you've seen him make stuff disappear like elephants and airplanes and et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's called an illusion and magic is sleight of hand. And it is true. I mean, okay, that kind of magic, performance magic is different from ceremonial magic. Okay. So, but it, and a lot of things cross over in those realms. Okay. So the hand is quicker than the eye. So what they do is, have you ever seen close-up magic where somebody, somebody has a coin, coin magic is called close-up magic where they, they have a coin and they, you, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, they'll do it right in front of your face. And like all of a sudden the coin they were just playing with in front of you is gone. And then they pull it out from behind your ear. Yeah. Okay. These guys have gore, blood sacks, um, sometimes chicken entrails. We'll go back to the chickens loaded <laughs> into their hands already. Okay. How do you think a magician can stand there and show you both of his hands empty and then one second later a dove is flying out of that hand? The psychic surgery or bloodless surgery or the whatever psychic surgery is what I'm going to call it, 
that is the same thing. They were masters of illusion. Well, I saw I saw the movie and yes, what, what, what I saw what real. I saw was looked- what I saw was Mr. Bell's belly. And I yep. saw the priest digging at a port. He finally got out, and he started spreading it open. And he opened yep. up a hole about like seven, eight inches across. And yep. I saw him dig into Mister Bell's guts and pull out the tumor and take it out. And as soon as his hand popped out, the skin went back to a pore. And it was sure. his wife filmed it. It looked yes. really, it really looked real, real, didn't it? it yeah, real. It's that's right, but it wasn't, man. I'm Weird. telling you. The hand is quicker than the eye. I don't know. That was an illusion that you saw. I don't know. If you saw that movie, you might be talking different because it really I, I've looked seen real. A, I've seen hundreds of them. <laughs> yeah, I've seen those too, man. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I yeah, but people see, lay, people's legs okay? and all that. For real. But it was Mr. Bell's wife. Right yes, there, filming it. So of how? Of course. I mean, there was no, there was no like trick no photography. It's it's all sleight of hand. Well, Johnny. it sure looked real. It looked like he oh, opened yes. up Mr. Bell's belly, dug his hand in there, did. grabbed a tumor, and pulled it out. Okay. Right. Well, when Mr. Bell got back, he was healed, and he He's lived better. another twenty years. It was probably more because they prayed for him. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. So, and he believed. You see, he believed. Oh yeah, he believed in they- it. Yes, they added a physical element to that belief. And maybe he didn't believe in Jesus. Maybe he believed the way they were moving on his stomach with their loaded little blood bag and their, and their you know, chicken piece of chicken heart or whatever. It did look like, kind of like chicken guts. It did look like Mr. Tumor. Bell's tumor, though. It's, I mean, it was a good size. Right. And it was I, pretty I knobby you. looking. looked like a tumor to me. I, I've seen it anyway. Um, so let me let me. Just, so he he had faith, and he he believed he was healed, and therefore he was healed. So let me ask Leonard but, another question. But but but, but, but listen, Could, but 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 Mr. Okay. Bell was on the table awake. He wasn't not. Yes. They didn't knock him out. Of course, he was awake. He felt them dig his yes, spread his did. skin, a big hole, open up his belly, he and he did. felt him. He felt the guy digging in his guts. Yep, it's called the power of suggestion, my friend. Hmm. It's a form of hypnosis. I don't know. And sleight of hand. I okay. So my agent that I had when I used to eat fire and be a street performer. Uh, he is a magician and, you know, knows Lance Burton and used to spend every Thanksgiving at Lance Burton's house and blah, blah, blah. Uh, he, this is, this is an illusion and it, part of it is hypnosis and part of it is, is an illusion and of course it gets you to believe have you ever seen a hypnosis act where things happen that you're watching it and you're you're witnessing this event and you swear that what you saw is real just like when david copperfield makes the elephant disappear Okay, you're sitting right there and the elephant disappeared. And then in a flash, the elephant is right there. Yeah, or, but in this case, Mr. Bell was, was the elephant. Yes. Because <laughs> he, he, he told the whole class because he, he had this. Yes. When he got back from the Philippines, he um, sent out some invitations. And it was my grandma because she was really new age. And me and about 
probably 15 uh, kids and their mothers and fathers, and and he showed it on he he said he in the band room yep. at school at night. He showed the movie, and he yep. said that they really he, they really did open him up and pull stuff out of his guts. He he felt it. He <laughs> was awake. He, he was watching it. Johnny, I want to do this. I want to perform surgery on you. No. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull something oh, out of your belly. You're gonna, you're gonna pull a rubber ducky. I mean, a, a rubber oh, chicken. Rubber chicken out of my belly. You're gonna, you're gonna believe every second of it. Oh wow, you're powerful. You're gonna, you're gonna see it, and and when they wipe the gore off your belly, yeah. it's instantly all back together, yeah, and you're yeah. like, that's Whoa. exactly what happens. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing to watch the whole wiping up the the blood and gut sack they just broke open on your belly while they were <laughs> digging into it with their fingers. But the that... way it cl- the way it closes, I don't <laughs> see how they can do that unless it's alive, because the way the hole closes. It looks yeah. just like they opened you up, and the the sure. elasticity of your skin, um, mm-hmm. they just let go, and the hole closes, and it yes, looks it's... really, really real. So, yes. so it's like so it's like Indiana Jones when he was getting his heart pulled out, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember? In Indiana Jones, they were pulling out the guy's it, heart. It was like that kind of. There was no blood though. It was it's bloodless surgery. There was a tiny bit of blood because there was some blood when he stuck his hand in Mister Bell's guts. It, you always break a little bit of blood vessels, but there's a tiny, tiny bit of blood. But and I, I was convinced. I was blown away. My grandma was convinced. My mom was. You start convinced. googling that now. I am so gullible. I guess it's just <laughs> oh, they were so believable. Uh, okay, so I want to ask Leonard a couple of questions. Go for it. Thank you. All right, um, the first question i want to ask you is how long from the time that you were with the witch and you found the clippings in the freezer and you brought out the bible and you told her she needed to repent and she needed jesus and you said i'm leaving right now and she's bawling her eyes out you don't care because now you know that you've been living with a witch for six months how long from the time that event happened Till you turned back to Jesus, because it sounds like you were raised Pentecostal and you were maybe a born again believer at one time, and then you returned. You you walked you walked contrary to the Lord for a while, and then you came back. How long of a time frame? You mean from when when I left originally? Yeah. Oh, I left the witch probably. Um... Probably was still out in the streets for a couple more years. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I rededicated my life back to Christ when I was 27, so I'm 41 now. Okay. So uh, this was, yeah, probably when I was, I was probably another two years. I mean, you know, actually, <clears throat> when I left, what kind of, what kind of saved me too is that um, I got arrested and I went to jail, and um, which. Every time, every time I'd go to jail, that was always like my sobering. It, I got healthy, I got sober, my mind got right. You know, it was yep. always a way to like save me. Actually, it would save me. You know, yes. and um, <clears throat> the weirdest thing about that is, uh, so when I left her, I ended up in San Bernardino. I ended up on the Greyhound. Ended up in San Bernardino. Still had about a 
about a half ounce of crystal meth on me. And I met some girl as I was waiting for the next bus to come. And I met this girl and uh, got hooked up with her, got hooked up with a pimp and two prostitutes. And, you know, and, and I ended up taking off with some girl. And then we ended up in San Diego with all kinds of stuff. And then um, got pulled over by the police. I I was I was always the type to I always looked at myself thinking that I, I thought I was clever. Like I thought I can always get away from the police because I used to always wear two pairs of clothes. Right. So when when I would run, when the police would see see me, they would always have a description of what I was wearing. They would say, you know, Hispanic, five ten to six foot, you know, about uh, one hundred and eighty to two hundred pounds. In a white T-shirt and blue pants, you know, blue right. Levi's. And so when I would hop a fence, I would take off that white shirt and there'd be a black shirt, take off the pants and it'd be shorts. And I would have a hat and I would put the hat on and just keep walking. Yep. And so th the police would be running and they'd be looking for somebody and they'd run right by me. Because sure. they're looking for somebody in a white T-shirt and blue pants. They're not looking for somebody in a black shirt and some shorts with a hat on. Yep. And so I, so I always looked at myself as being clever like that. So uh, we were in a stolen car, and I told the girl, I said, look, get out of the car. They can't get you for a stolen car if you're not in it. Mm -hmm. Once he puts his lights on, once he puts his lights on, if we're out of the car, then it, we're not – it's nothing. It's just receiving stolen property if you have the keys. Mm -hmm. So we were like, it can't get us for GTA. So we got out of the car, and then we uh, were at a hotel, about to walk into the hotel, and he hit his lights. And so um, I gave him a fake name. He ran the plates in the car. I had switched the plates with different plates from a car, exactly the same type of car, but I mm -hmm. took their plates off put it, so they didn't come back stolen. So he looked at the VIN and he looked at the registration and the registration had a whole different name. And he was asking me, I said, look, I wasn't driving. She was, I don't, I don't know whose car that is. And so he's like, well, you got a warrant, a $50,000 warrant. So, uh, cause I, you know, I didn't know I had a warrant and he's like, you have a $50,000 warrant. I'm taking you in. So as he grabbed me, I took off running, but he had a dog. He had a, a canine. Oh. With him. So as I took off running, he hit the side of his pants and I guess it released the door. A door, a door popped open. And I took off running. I seen the the dog chasing me, and I I yep. hopped the fence. And when I hopped the fence, I started running. And this is the weirdest thing. As I was running, I I it, it was in these uh, uh, apartment complex, and I can see clearly in front of me. It was all concrete, and all of a sudden, I was in water. I was in water all the way up to my chest, and I'm like, what? the heck just happened how am i in water and i was so stunned that i was in water because i didn't see no water right i just i just seen concrete i was gonna hop another fence take off my clothes and just do the same thing i always do but this time i ended up in some pond and then the cops came and they had the dog and i said okay man i don't feel like getting bit i'm good all right i'll get out right and i but i was so i couldn't that was done. So I got out and my mom told me she had been praying for me that night. Uh, yeah. You know, and it was the weirdest thing because I ran into water, you know, um, where right. I, I, I seen concrete. I, you know, I know what I seen. I wouldn't run straight into water. Right. You know, and I ended up in water. And not too long after that, I eventually uh, maybe about I'll say about a year and a year and a half after that, I just got, I told God, I'm tired. I'm done. I'm ready. You yep. know, I said, Lord, if you don't take, if you don't take this taste for drugs away from me, I'm going to either die of AIDS. 
I'm going to get shot or I'm going to end up in prison for the rest of my life. That's it. And yeah. at that time, I had a bunch of kids from th- different women, you know, and I wasn't taking care of them. One of the girls was locked up for five years in prison, you know, and my kids were just out there. And, and so I was like, Lord, if you don't like I'm if you are all powerful, then you would. I can't stop. I need you to help me. And yep. he did. And yep. that moment when I cried out to him because I was at the lowest of the low. I was at my points end where it was like, I'm going to die. And I kind of was ready to die. You mean? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, God, if you know, if you are real, then you know I can't do this. And and uh, if you're real, you'll take this away from me. And he did. That moment, he took the taste of the drug out of me, which is the weird. Was weird after that is because I ended up going to a Mormon church. I didn't know it was a. I didn't know what Mormons believed. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going because they were the only people that opened opened up to me. Like I went mm-hmm. to all these, I went to all these different churches and they looked at me and they're like, oh, we don't want nothing to do with you. What? You know, like God told you, you know, like what God, I was telling them the story of what God did. And they're like, they looked at me like I, I was crazy. Yeah. You so know, the uh, only people that opened their door were Mormons. And so, I, you know, they opened the door. I went to there. I got, God used them for a season until yes. I was, you know, I was able to see, you know, what they believe on the, on the outside, a Mormon seems like a Christian. Well, they, they yeah. are, they are Christians. They believe it, in it, Jesus. It, yeah. I mean, right. they're just really, really weird. They do. But I keep think... in mind, they've been lied to by their leaders. <laughs> yeah. They've wow. been lied to by the by the shepherd okay yeah. the shepherd is responsible yeah, just like the catholic church the shepherd is responsible for the lies he teaches the sheep right. the sheep are not responsible in their heart they love jesus jesus knows that yeah right yeah that's what I, i'm saying i, 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 I think mean the, i think that i think the deeper you get into it yeah the more, the held accountable for what you know i am kind of in the in the fringe in the fringe christian community show now oh sorry (laughs) oh is this my show (laughs) i had no idea (laughs) i'm talking over you guys i'm sorry i thought you were done leonard go ahead you should finish so i messed you up well i kind of did too because i'm telling you what dude you are just this is powerful like i'm crying here man it is i mean leonard's testimony testimony is your testimony leonard is is amazing i never get tired of hearing it yeah so please finish so the the mormons took you in yeah the mormons took me in and um you know i i the way they the way they lived their life was appealing to me you know i looked at Mm -hmm. it like and these are some real this is the real deal. Yeah, they these people actually showed love, yep. you know, they listened and yeah. you yep. know they're nice. They want to live right, they they want to be disciplined. And they're friendly. Even, they're really yeah, friendly. They're friendly. Right. Until I started getting until I started getting like they wanted me to like get deep involved in it, right? Yeah, because right. they, they, they thought you were a prophet books. or something. Right. Okay. So I had told them that I had a dream, right? <clears throat> I said the only thing that I know of a Mormon, I told them. When I first met them, I said, the only thing I know of Mormons, first they came to me and said, oh, we're the Church of Latter-day Saints of Jesus Christ. I didn't know that the Latter-day Saints of Jesus Christ were Mormons. I didn't know that. Right. I, I just seen the I, – I didn't even know what a Mormon was. I've seen the Mormon book. I never read it before. I had one, never read it. You know, I just seen pictures of Jesus in it, so I, I didn't know. I didn't know what to think. <clears throat> so I said, the only thing I know of a Mormon is a dream that I had. 
I said, in this dream, I was dreaming I was in this garden. And this garden, I, the, inside of this garden, it had like a water fountain and there was like flowers everywhere. And there was these two, there was these two double doors and two glass double doors. And I said, on the double doors, they had this etching on it, like etching of like flowers and vines and all that on, on to the glass. I said, I was dressed all in white, I said. I remember opening up those doors, and when I walked in, there was a theater. And said, I said, in the theater, there was all these seats, but there was no – it wasn't a theater, but it was set up like a theater. And I, there was no screen or nothing like that. I go, at the bottom of this theater were these three humanoid beings. There was three mm -hmm. of them. And they were very tall and they were in like they were in um they were wearing like um what is that called? Like you know how they like tunics, you mean? Yeah. That's what they were wearing. They were wearing like brown tunics. Right. And they were tall, skinny, and they had like afros. I can, that's the best way I can display explain <laughs> their hair. Their hair looked like afros, you mean? Right? Yeah. That beats that's, the hell out of my seven foot blue palladians, dude. Right. It's so it's so uh but I remember they weren't human, but they were they were right. human they were human like, yes. and they were pointing at me and they were telling me to come down. And as I went down, all three of them laid their hands on me. And when they laid their hands on me, I felt electricity go through my whole body like I've never felt in my life. And I woke. It was so strong that it woke me up. And when I woke up, the word Mormon is what I heard. Wow. So I told those guys this this dream right. and they're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. When I told them, they're like, so when I got in there, they showed me all these pamphlets. They said, your dream sounds exactly like the Los Angeles temple. And they're like, that's how the Los Angeles temple looks like. And they start telling me about how they do their temple. They do all these special ceremonies in these temples. Right. And they were telling me that uh, they wear white clothes. When they go into the temple mm -hmm. and they were saying that I described what it looks like at the L.A. temple. In, wow. In Leonard, you know what? You probably could be head of the Los Angeles Mormons right now. Had uh, you stuck with it. No, I'm just kidding. Dude, you could have had like 16 wives. and you know, No, they don't do it anymore, oh, Johnny. Okay. That's a splinter. Group. No, they do. They do, actually. I knew I was really good friends with the Mormon, and they oh, do. Oh, that's right. There was that TV show, Sister Wives, wasn't there? They still do it, but they, they're not officially married to them. They call them spiritual wives. Or sister wives. Well, this yes. is the, the Mormon. I, the Mormon I was. The Mormon I was friends with called him spiritual wives. Spiritual he had wives. Like six, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yes, he called them spiritual wives. He had six or seven of them, and they were really hot too. Sure. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Go, go, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sorry, so, so when I, sorry, so when I told them that story, they got all excited. Well, so they brought me into the temple, and they like fast tracked me into all this stuff, giving me these books that they give all the, you know, the people that they go, you know, the, the guys that go knocking on your door. There's certain books that they they have this uh, ring binder book that they have to study. Right. All these questions on there, what you're going to be questioned, what you're going to ask. And they gave it to me, even though I have never done any baptisms inside the temple. And they were like, look, we want you to go to the temple. We want you to, you know, they started telling me that there's different levels. There's three different levels to at the temple. The highest one is the celestial. You know I mean, and yep. that's, you know, so they started telling me about what I needed to do. Right. 
And they're like, look, it, we're going to we're going to baptize you. And when we baptize you, it's it's like a download. They told me it's like a spiritual down. Your baptism yeah. is spiritual download is what they told me. Yep. So, so, so they told me you being baptized, you're going to get like downloaded. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. And did you get downloaded? It's, I don't know. I just I don't. Right. I don't I don't know what was going on. So I'm like, OK, that's that, to me. I didn't really understand what they were talking about. I just thought it was strange. The language that they were using, you know, like downloaded. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So they, you know, put me in white. They got, I got baptized there. And then um, I, they started they started teaching me. They would have guys come over all the times and, and teach me all the time about what they believe. And they started telling me about, you know, baptism for the dead and that I'm going to yep. be a proxy for my grandfather, my grandmother, mm. proxy baptized. And they, they show me what the baptism, what it looks like. It's, it's like a bull. It's this, it's like a bull. It's like a giant bull with these bulls holding up the bull. And you're going into that water baptizing. And they, I forgot the reason why they told me they were bulls. I mean, but, um, yeah, so I, I started asking questions because some of the stuff in the Mormon Bible sounded like you, when you read the Mormon Bible, it sounds like the King James. Right. And so there were some of the yeah. names, names like Laban and all that. I'm like, hey, it's Laban. And they're all, oh, no, it's not of the that's the different one. And right. Oh, it's and, just, I, yep. yeah, and I said, oh, and I said, tell them, too. I this was another weird thing. I told them that when they showed me the Mormon book, there was these Aztec you know, uh, ziggurats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and when I was in the world, I used to go around saying that the Aztecs prayed to Christ, that they worshiped the sun and that the sun was actually Jesus. That's what I used to say. Mm -hmm. When I had told them that they said, that's exactly what we believe. Jesus went over there and spoke to the Aztecs, spoke to the Indians and it was Christ. Right. And that, and that's, and so, like, if you look at my tattoos on my arm, I mean, it's all occultic. I know that now, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, then when I was getting, I thought it was all, like, you know, how to do with Christ and all that. But it doesn't. Right. You know, right. look up, I have the Grim Reaper on my arm. I have the uh, Michael the Archangel, the devil. And I didn't know that in magic, a lot of people use those as their Michael, as their, that symbol right. of Michael hold, defeating the devil. You know, they use that but, as protection or whatever. I don't know. Well, then, I... If you if you're into Kabbalism and certain magic like the Goetia and the Lesser Keys of Solomon and the Archangels are a really big deal and uh, that you yeah you can do all kinds of stuff with them yeah yeah so I have all these tattoos on my just on my uh, right arm and then I have uh, you know the Aztec the Aztec sun in the middle of my forearm with the two Aztec uh, serpent gods on the side of it, and then I have the uh, I so I used to think that it was the uh, you know the the Star of David. Now I know that it's not the Star of David. You mean so mm -hmm. I have that on there on my arm with the Sacred Heart of Christ. Oh know? boy! So I had that all on my arm, you know, mm -hmm. and I so I thought it was all like part of god or whatever and they were like yeah you know i look i believe in that too and they're like oh we believe that you know christ came and he spoke to the he came to the americas and spoke to yeah. the end so that was like i'm like oh okay cool yeah. yep you know that kind of like uh reminds me of a dream that i had of where uh it was in mexico i was in mexico and um in my i was in the, my grandma's old town and i went to a school and there was a brick 
like it was like a brick school and I pulled out one of the bricks out of the school and a a bird that was on fire came flying out. The phoenix. Yeah, it came flying out to the sky. <laughs> Leonard, you are a serious gangster, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I sent uh, I sent Dory a picture here in the in our chat of Leonard on the left there with the shotgun. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not like you want to walk up to him and, and pat him no. on the head, you know, or give him a hug. Yeah. No, you don't just give him a hug. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow, um, that's awesome. Did you ever, did is- you ever walk down the street with your pants all the way down past your butt? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, nah, man, I used to wear my pants. I used to, I see, Cholos kind of they wear their pants up high. You mean, Cholos? yeah. Yeah, gangsters, yeah, Mexican gangsters, yeah, cholos. Oh, oh so a certain, like a certain style. Boys wear their pants down low, bad yeah. off their butt. Right. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I, I used to. High. See, yeah. I used to. I can, high. Right. I love it. I'm a Mexican. <laughs> I'm a Mexican. You know, I used to. I was the. I was the head cook. I was the uh, kitchen manager. Casa Pinata. People would come from three states to eat my chili. But uh, anyway, um, all my friends are Mexicans too now, like Mexicans, mostly Mexicans and a few Chinamen. That's like all my friends. But uh, th- when I was living in the barrio, um, there was this guy, I was looking at my uh, kitchen window, and there's this guy walking down the street, and his pants were all the way down around his ankles, and he had these long uh, sh- boxer shorts. That went down, you know, about to his knees, but his pants were all the way down. And he was taking these, you know, he was taking baby steps. And he was, like, walking really cool down the street, taking baby steps. Because his feet, his pants were around his ankles. And he was, like, dragging them all across the pavement. And I thought, you know, he's a really badass dude because he looked really tough. I go, but if I, you know, I was, I was just thinking, I was just thinking, man, if I got in a scrap with this guy, all I would do is just push him over. Because he, his feet, is feet are bound by his pants his pants are around his ankles <laughs> <laughs> all i gotta do a big you have them all tied up yeah he's Over. already tied dude his feet are already tied up all you gotta do is just give uh, him a good shove he's done right. he's down but of course he would probably take his pants off and then chase after me after that but right. i could probably well, Leonard, it would take you so have long to be a powerful powerful witness are you married now yeah yeah i'm married now okay all right (laughs) yeah he's got 14 wives now (laughs) (laughs) he's leonard leonard has like he he had a lot of relationships with a lot of women he's got a lot of kids what do you got like 10 11 kids i got 10 kids wow wow do you have relationships with all those kids to some degree well i had a custody of all my kids you do? Yeah, well, you know, that's another thing about when God when God restored me, he restored my all my kids to come live with me. I am cool. so you crying gotta, you, right now. Oh man that you, can you say that again, please? Yeah, when God restored me, when he restored me, he had all my kids to come live with me. All of them. Jesus. Wow, dude, that is so awesome. I right. know. That would be so great. Because I'm all alone. Six years I've been all alone in the trailer park at the end of the world. And it would be so great oh, to have Johnny. a It would be so great to have a family with like 10 kids. And I can, I mean, there would be problems, of course. But still, <laughs> especially like on the weekends when we were like, we could have barbecues and hang out, yeah. you know, in the backyard and play ball or whatever, you know. 
or sit around yeah. and play video games with everybody. And I think that would be great to have a family like that, that big. That would be great. Have ten kids all around. I mean, God, God is God is merciful, man. You know, uh, you know. The, I, I I always say that. Like I told my wife that I'm with now, I, I said that there was this one towards the end of me finally getting tired and giving up. I, you know, people used to think I was crazy because I used to talk about the government. I used to say, look at the dollar bill, has a pyramid in the eyes, is all demonic, and look at all the spider web. It's a web catching us up, catching us, you know, uh, ensnared that this money right here, you know, is a root to all types of evilness. This is why there's a web they're letting us know. It's just in God we trust. It's not talking about the God of the Bible, it's talking about the God of money. And I so saw I would tell people all kinds of stuff and the, uh, you know, because I used to be out in the streets stealing. So I used to come up with all this Freemason books from all these master Masons and I have, would read all their stuff and, you know, all this weird stuff. Right. And so mm -hmm. I would be telling people towards the end about how, you know, that the, about the government and how the, uh, that it's all demonic, you know, and at towards the end, People used to say, man, this dude is crazy. You're crazy, dude. What's wrong with you, man? You know, like, you know, you're, I would go sell dope and bring a Bible and, you know, be reading Revelations while I was selling dope. And, you know, as I was paranoid, I would have everybody hostage in the house and, you know, and I'd be reading Revelations to them, you know, all night until the birds start singing. And so, <laughs> you know, but I was actually trying to wake myself up, man. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. But at the end, I was telling my wife that uh, I had gotten into a car accident was going about i had been up for about three weeks with no sleep wow and i was driving and i crashed and then when i crashed it, it was weird because i had no seatbelt. i was going about 60 miles an hour when i crashed i was asleep and in as i was sleeping i i seen a picture in my mind of uh you know those at the park how you see those uh not merry-go-rounds. What are those things that go around in a circle that kids can run on? They run fast. It keeps spinning quicker and quicker. It's a merry-go-round. Yeah, merry-go-round. So I, I, I had a picture of that in my mind, and then I heard kids laughing, you know, kids laughing, kids saying, Dad, Dad. And then um, I woke up, and when I woke up, I was crashing. And when I was crashing, weirdest thing, it was real slow. Mm -hmm. And I remember this yeah. bright light coming in front of me because I didn't have no seatbelt on. This bright light came in front of me. And when I hit the steering wheel, it's like I hit a balloon of water. It was like water. Like I just hit water. Wow. And then, and then wow. I, still had my, I still had my sunglasses on. And I, it's like I splashed right into water. And then I went back and I'm, I thought it was a dream. I'm like, what just happened? Jumped out of the car, I seen that I hit this parked car. And I'm like touching myself because I had the car was totaled and mm -hmm. I was touching myself everywhere. I'm like, there was nothing wrong with me. I just took off running, but I, I told my wife, I remember that I go, that was just the strangest thing happened. I told her and I ran to the house. I'm like, I just got into a car accident. You know, I was, uh, I go, but it was weird before I crashed. I was, it was like I was at a park and I heard kids laughing and calling my name their dad and then um i woke up and i was crashing i said i was like water i was just the strangest thing because you know I, I would get in spouts of depression because of my kids and the way i would be living and i just felt you know i don't know i knew that was from the lord even though it was a yep. bad situation i just knew it was from god and not too long after that maybe a few months after that is when i finally 
cried out to the Lord. But, you know, it took a long time to get to where I'm at right now. I, I, I you know, I wish I can say that instantly I was perfect. You mean? But it wasn't like uh, yeah. that. You know, when the Lord took the drugs away from me, I was able to see the problems that I had, of m- the real problems in my life. But, but years <laughs> later, years later, maybe you could tell us about the barbecue. <laughs> I like that story. <laughs> Which one? You tell me about the barbecue. Well, you were, you, were, you were having a big barbecue in the backyard and everything, and you were uh, drinking a lot of beer, and you got too much beer, and you decided you were going to go back into the hood. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. I had a relapse, you know. Uh, <laughs> I like I, that story. That's a great – tell that story. Oh, man. No, it's, it, it, I, I just got – you know, I got real drunk. I think it was on the 4th of July. And then I, I had went out and then um, it just – it was just tore up from there. I didn't come back for another three days, put it that way. I was just <laughs> out in the streets, running the streets, back up, you know. He told me – no, you were – what you were doing, you, you were like in this hotel room and you were looking out the I, peephole and hitting the pookie. <laughs> you're just nothing but looking out the peephole and hitting oh, the pookie, yeah. right? Oh, so, yeah, being butt naked, looking out the peephole, yeah. sweating. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's, That's called, a relapse. Yeah, we right. used, we used to call that fighting the window. Right, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I mean, from then until now, I got God has been restoring me. Like, cause I got molested when I was eight years old, man, and um, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that it affected me because it was a woman that did it. So I didn't realize that it affected me until one day I was with my family and my sister were barbecuing in the backyard and I was talking about our, our fr- you know, our family friend, right? I'm right. like, oh yeah, she did this. And my sister's like, wait a minute, what did you just say? And I was laughing about it. She's like, Lenny, why are you laughing about that? And at right. that time, my son, Jeremiah, he was about the same age that I was when I got molested. She's all look at. She's all look at your son. But is what your? It was your babysitter. It was your big sister's friend. My big sister's friend that that she used to call my mom and dad, mom and dad. Right. So she was like a sister. Right. So she was seven years older than me. What's crazy about that? How old is, was she at the time? Do you think probably? I mean, I was eight. She was eight. She'd be fifteen there, uh, Johnny. She was just a kid, though. She probably didn't really know no, any better either. Is, something happened to her. This is okay. So what happened? This is a trip that would happen to her, right? Now, she succumbed to my. I didn't know this. My sister's the one that told me that she succumbed. My mom and dad actually told me this too after they found out. They, and I just recently told them about maybe about four years ago. I told them, and it, that right there, there was such a big release on. I didn't know how much pain that I had that it affected yep. me until yep. I realized it. Like I used to laugh about it, like I literally would cry, and like and I told my wife, I don't even know why I'm crying. Like I don't understand. Like there, it was like so deep of a scar. Wow. You know, my innocence of what you know she right? did to me was taken. You know. Yep. Wow. Well, so, uh, what about my babysitter? So, I had a babysitter like that, and uh, I used to I used to call her on the phone and say, "Hey, my parents are going out Friday night. Let's come on over and do some babysitting." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I wasn't emotionally scarred or anything. I, you know, I mean, I'd still like to call her up, and have her come over Johnny, and babysit me. Johnny, Johnny, <laughs> well. <laughs> No, John, no, Johnny I was, was yeah, fifteen. I would right. no, no, I was like ten. Well, gay, whatever. I thought it was <laughs> awesome. I still think it's awesome. So there. 
Okay. <laughs> that's how well, bad. You know, of, that's how know, bad it, of a person it, it, I am. It, it, it messed me up though, and, and at that yeah. at didn't that mix time, me up. It old, didn't mix me up. No, not <laughs> at all. Not, not at all. <laughs> With me, it, I was getting. I started getting kicked out of school in the third right. grade, and. You know, oh, yeah. they t- uh, my mom and dad thought there was something wrong with me. They put me in all these psychiatrists, and right. it just went, you know, I had they put me in a mental institution when I was eight. little. Man, yeah. you were eight. She it's... took things. She took advantage of you when you were a little boy. Yeah, so well, her, I, well, I was taking, yeah, but I was taking advantage of as a little boy. I thought that was great. It didn't bother me to this day. And that's that's probably why. It's probably because I'm a bad person. So it, it probably does bother you. you. Just see, I was laughing like I, you about it before. Right? Doesn't right. bother. Nah, it doesn't until, bother me a until, bit. Until, until, until my sister point. Until I had my son next to me that was the same age as me. Well, what if, what, right. what, 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 if, went, what, what if it was my idea? Well, then it's totally different. Yeah. See, so it was my idea. See, <laughs> then you're an operator. I'm a bad a totally person. Totally different thing. See, I should as a Christian, I should not be saying what I just said. Right. So shame on me, but I guess I'm just a bad person. I'll have to repent and work on that. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry I messed up your story, Leonard. Sorry. So, so what happened with her? Okay, so her father committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, her father was into witchcraft, and the reason why he committed suicide because he was doing a ritual to curse his children, and in that ritual, he ended up killing himself to curse his children. So she used to come wow. over. She used to come over and tell my mom and dad things like, my mom and dad had a baby, and they killed the baby and buried the baby underneath the house. Oh, no. So my mom and dad would be like, yeah, whatever. They thought she was just telling stories. Right. You know I mean? She was just a kid. But she wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't. Whoa. Right. So there was right. some serious, messed up spiritual stuff going on. I mean, serious. Right. right. So there was like, she was, she was like carrying a demon that she probably gave to you. Right, so I don't I don't know what was going on, but you know her her family, you know, was like really messed up, you know. One of the things, okay, because I was molested as a little little child too. It started when I well, I remember have memories from when I was two. It may have been going on a little bit before I was two, but my memories really start at about two. Um, until I was about almost five, four and a half. Anyway, and then we moved, uh, and then I didn't get taken over to where uh, the abuse was happening anymore. Um, and I, they gave me alcohol before. Oh, so your inhibitions were gone. Okay, so they get. Well, no, it's, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but they gave me alcohol. They gave me hot water, whiskey, and a sugar cube. Oh, and then good. I learned to read really young, and so I learned to read the word alcohol. And I started drinking extract, vanilla, rum, coconut, or whatever my mom had. Yeah. Because if you read the bottle extracts are about 40% alcohol. Yeah, you can So I started that. reading extract until I could till I was tall enough to get on my dad's step stool and get up into his liquor cabinet, okay? Oh. So I drank 
from a very young age to bury the pain of what had happened to me when I was two to four. Uh, Okay. And this lasted, you know, this lasted until I, I sobered up and I was dating the man that I'm married to now. Um, and he's a good man. He's the first good man that God ever allowed me to have. He's the only good man God has ever sent to me in my life. And I had been sober for two and a half years and I was with a good man and I had a flashback and it was, people talk about flashback. Oh, you were just, no flashback means right now, instantly you are where you were when you were being abused, you can see the room, you can feel the floor or whatever you were on. You can smell the smells. You can feel everything that is being done to you, and it's happening right now. And the worst part is you can feel the feeling of it. Exactly, and it's horrible, and it's disgusting, and it was shocking, and I had always suspected, and I think my mom suspected because I had weird medical issues when I was from the time I was two till we moved away. I had constant, constant, they couldn't cure my bladder infections. Okay. It was just a, I had a constant huge jumbo bottle of medicine in the refrigerator that I used to take all the time. I was, there was other signs and I'm not going to go into it, but, um, so I kind of suspected, but I never let myself go there. And, and it wasn't until I had been sober for, for a, you know, it was like two and a half, almost three years sober and with a man I could trust because I have trust issues with men. And that started well, yeah, with huh? a girl. That would like cause that, you know, slightly. Yeah, exactly. It's going to cause that. So I had like issues like that, my, you know, and um, so when I remembered, it was so devastating. It was so devastating. So I I went to a therapist because I need to to figure out how do I heal from this? How am I, how do I get to be okay from this? And, you know, it, 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 it affects me to this day when I read stories about other kids and, and things like that. It really bothers me. It's gotta be something that you can never quite get over. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the Lord, though, is merciful. Yeah. Like Leonard says, the Lord is merciful. And Leonard, I want you to know that I've, I've been on the air with a lot of people. Yeah. I've interviewed several people. I have people. never cried until tonight, hearing wow. someone's testimony. A first on the Iron cried. Show. Yep. I was crying. It's a beautiful testimony. Moving. I've- Absolutely. Your 10 kids, you got them all back. You know, that makes me think of Job. It all, you know, Job lost everything, but he believed he had faith and he, he got everything restored back to him. Yes. So he got it. He got it tenfold. Right. You know, in some cases, I think, well, I can't remember how many fold it was. Tenfold or twentyfold? It was it was like tenfold, and then people say, "But, but he never got his kids back because you can't bring back the dead." Well, yes, he did. He got. They were in heaven waiting for him. Yeah. 
Right. You know, his right. children were never got. They were well, they were in heaven. If he gave them everything back tenfold, he must have brought it. He, he must had have more re- children. I think he could have resurrected. God could have resurrected his kids again. Right. I mean, it's possible. I can't remember how it ends. I'd have to read it again. It's one of those things where you can read your Bible and read your Bible and read your Bible, and then all of a sudden you go, "Wait a minute, how does that end?" And then yeah. you have to go back. Yeah, me you know, too. it's like. It's like reading. Uh, it's like reading about uh, Jonah, you know, and you you don't remember quite how that ends, and then you have to go back and read it, and you you find out that he's you know he built a booth across the road because he's pouting, and God sends the worm and the the gourd to, to, because the sun's really hot, and he's complaining, and and so God sends a gourd, and and then he sends a worm to eat the gourd or something, and it says the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing yeah. and that's like the end of Jonah and you're like what, what? It, but it makes sense you read through the it's, it's a heavy statement you know what I think is really is. cool what I think personally is really cool about Leonard's testimony is that I was part of it so oh yeah oh yeah you know uh like I said it I didn't I didn't um you know, I didn't it wasn't perfect when I first gave my life back. So there was a lot of issues that was going on in my life. And, um, you know, like I said, God was able to take the drugs away. But I was now I was able to see the real problems that was going on because what led to the drugs were the problems that I had in my life. That's what led to the drug use and um, the violence and all that in my life. That's what led to it. So I was able to – God was showing me the root problems. And, you know, I started listening to like – I was trying to find – you know, because I didn't fit in with a lot of different Christians because of the way I believed. And um, a lot of the Christians that I went to, you know, to church with, they just, I don't know, because I believe in the supernatural. I, you know, I'm maybe because I was raised Pentecostal, I've seen demons being cast out of people. I've heard sure. demons come out of people. You know, I've, you know, so I've, my mom used to pray three o'clock in the morning. I wake up, my mom's crying over me, praying in tongues with her hands on me, crying. And, you know, I'd wake up and ask my mom, what are you doing? She'd just tell me, I just love God. Don't don't worry about it. Just go back to sleep. I just love the Lord. But her hands would be on me, praying in tongues, crying. And, and um, you know, it, with her, too, she grew up as, you know, as as a, a, a child of a preacher, you know. And, and when they would preach, the kids would be in the back praying in tongues, and the whole people in the front would all fall out and, you know, and the Holy Spirit would fall on to the whole congregation from these little kids praying. And my mom would be, you know, she'd be praying in tongues and people from like China that they would hear my mom praising God in, in their own language and go up to her, my mom. Like, how does this little girl know how to speak my language? And my grandma would be like, she don't. So that's the type of house I kind of grew up in, you know, as as far as my mom and my aunts, they would come over and do prayers and, you know, like they would pray for hours, like four hours. We were all the kids. We would all literally just fall asleep wherever we were at because there was a whole house full of kids. And my mom said that she would be praying and ask God, you know, to that because we would be distracting them. And so God would just have us all fall asleep. And it was part like about 15 kids in the house running around and we'd all be asleep on the floor while my mom and my aunts would be just be praying, you know, it's like a miracle. So, right. Right. So I seen a lot of supernatural stuff. So growing up, I don't see. And the frog. Like that. And the frog, tell them about the oh, frog. Yeah, somebody getting their uh, a demon casting out of them, and a frog came out of their mouth. Yeah, really. Yep. Interesting. Right. 
uh, frog came out of their mouth, and I just remember my mom just telling me, just grab the Bible, saying the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And was it a I nice? Just, was it a nice frog? Did it? Just, did I it, I don't know. Did it just hop away, of, or did somebody grab no, it? And I don't know. I just know that I was, I was scared. <laughs> I just know I was really scared. Man, can you imagine that? Somebody casting a demon on somebody, and a frog pops out of their mouth. And this is not a fake story. This really, you actually saw this, right? It's it's real. Yeah. So they would pray. Wow. And they would pray. So the way the church would start is they would preach and they would sing and pray. And so we'd get there like around six and won't leave until like two thirty in the morning because they'd be praying for hours, just singing, crying, praying, you know, and that's how it was. That's how church was. And a, a lot of people got healed. A lot of people got delivered in that church. There's a lot of healings in that church. A lot of people would get healed of cancer and all kinds of stuff, you know. Yep. And just just because of the power of God of, of just prayer. That's why I always believe that prayer is it's like powerful, you know. Oh yeah, that's real, it's, man. That stuff happens. Miracles are happening every day in churches. Right. Every right. day people are getting healed miraculously so, and yeah. you know, and So in church yeah, so in churches I go to, I didn't really fit in because I I would tell people I'd still have that idea of, you know, that this is that when we're born we're it's it's we're born to fail like the way society has set up everything it's for us to fail you know the way the powers that be have everything set up you know the antichrist the god of the world that has it set up for us to die set up to and fail. that's how yeah set up for us to fail from birth yep you know and so i would see that and i would tell people that in the church and they kind of look at me like i was weird so you know, I started listening to, uh, you know, like fringier stuff. I would, you know, searching and I heard Johnny. And the thing about Johnny is that, you know, sometimes when you get into heavy stuff, you need to laugh, man. And he would make me laugh, man, when I hear his stories. But he was genuine and he was real. You know, what you see is what you get. This is, this is what it is, you know. And that's what I respected a lot. And, um, yeah, so I, I heard every Iron Show that there is from Iron Show 1 all the way till now. Now. I'm on an Iron Show. So. <laughs> you're co-hosting it now. You're like the official. You're like an official co-host now. I right. dubbed thee. That's a, that's pretty cool. That's like a cool story too. <laughs> yeah. right. I, I love like, Johnny, man. <laughs> I love yep. you too, man. Seriously, man. Leonard's my boy. Whenever I mess up, you know, you got, you know, Christians. You know, you when you screw up, there's always like one person that you can tell it. To, you can confess to mm-hmm. man you know what i just did dude you'll never believe what i just did <laughs> and then leonard <laughs> is the leonard is my boy you know he's the one right. i go to you know i dropped cool. the ball i dropped the ball leonard he's like oh man it's all good though just get back up man <laughs> get back up that's right that's what all you right. need somebody in your corner that can give you that message when you say oh man i fell down get back up okay that's all there is to it just get back up you know, everybody needs that person. And so I'm glad that, um, you know, God knows what he's doing. He He brought, there are no coincidences. There are no coincidences. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It was really strange. I, How did I find Army Girl for Christ show? I mean, I was like, just what? <laughs> what how, I, how I found you was that in 2008, uh, there was a show, uh, Derek Gilbert was doing a live show, and you called in to it. 
2008, I would not have been saved yet. So 2009. Couldn't be 2010 because it was really early in Iron Show history. I had just started the Iron Show. So it must have been late 2009. Is that like around... uh, Okay, I got saved December 31st. 2009. Okay, so it was early 2010 because you were a new Christian. You yep. had no idea what you were. Brand were t- new. When nope. you called no in, idea. you had you could tell you had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> nope, none. <laughs> Johnny went, I like this lady. Yeah, yeah. My wife goes, she man. My- Jesus and she has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife, my wife had made some remarks about you. She's like, "Man, that that girl's crazy." <laughs> I go, "I know, but I like her." She goes, "Yeah, I like her too." <laughs> and oh man! Hooked, and then I hooked. Yeah, John, Johnny's the one that hooked me up doing the uh, podcast. Well, actually, I went to him and I went to uh, Brian Schwinn, Castlemov Radio. Yeah, right. that's yeah. when Brian Schwinn was on, and uh, you I know, taught, was talking to Brandon talking Schwinn. To I I taught Brandon, Brandon Schwinn pretty much everything about engineering that he does. He came to me. He'd never done any. He goes, I want to start a podcast. I go, okay. He goes, I go, you know what? You know, how do you, you got your gear? He had nothing. I taught him how to do it. And he's better than me now. Brandon is like a total engineer. He's like a lot better engineer than I am. And he helped Leonard. And, and I helped okay. Leonard. Speaking of people being really good at um, like tech stuff, Facebook's done so many updates and stuff that I can hardly figure out how to use my page anymore. Okay, my my Doors of Deception page. But someone's been following, not someone's been following me, someone's been helping me today. And um, the person that's been helping me, we need to mention her tonight because she's really special. She's really special to a lot of Christians. She's really special to your buddies at Canary Cry Radio and some other uh, Christian folk out there. She's a doll, and she's wonderful, and she is on the precipice of starting a ministry that involves uh, she needs her, her vehicle to be able to do this ministry, and that is Jen Doe. And she is the admin uh, for Canary Cry Radio, and her friend Caitlin Elizabeth and I set up a GoFundMe for Jen Doe. Jen Doe went to Burning Man with Carl Tykrib, and I know we've you've all heard. Carl and everybody knows Canary Cry, and um, so now she she's been called, and her SUV needs some work. So there's a GoFundMe page set up for Jen and uh, Johnny. If you if I give you the information, if you could like maybe let me share it on your your page, would that be all right? Yeah, you could put it on the Fringe Radio Network. There's only one caveat. Okay. There's only one caveat. What's that? Jen Doe hates my guts. No. She does not. Oh, yes, she does. No. She hates Johnny. Can't hate Johnny. Oh, she does. She does not like me at all. She is, like, not my friend at all. Well, yeah, you probably were really obnoxious I was. I was joking around with her, and I... I, I'm Johnny, so better be sorry. I, I, I pissed <laughs> her. Just... I pissed her off. I didn't mean oh, to. Johnny, it's like that Johnny, always, Johnny. Just joking around. 
Just joking around. Gotta change around. your ways, man. I was just joking around, and I pissed yeah, her I, off. I said the wrong thing. Yeah, see, I'm so used to you. You can say I wanted to slap her with a rubber chicken, and I just go, "What's up?" Yeah, but you still like me. You still like me. She hates my guts. That's because you're like a annoying little brother or yeah, something. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Not like Dr. Future, though. Dr. Future is, uh, in real life, I hung out with him for three days in uh, in back east and at a conference. And he, Dr. Future, in, in, real, in real life, he acts just like the annoying little uh, nephew at a big family gathering that goes around saying stuff to piss people off. Right. And he, like, he'll say something and run away. He'll say something yep. to really piss somebody off and run away, just like an annoying little nephew. He is uh, Doctor Future is like the most obnoxious person I ever met in my life. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was really impressed. Totally different in real life. <laughs> <laughs> he was just going around making little comments. He'd he'd, he'd edge into a conversation. He'd stick himself into a low and then make some snide little comment and then run away and then be all pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I go, man, you're just like me. You're just like going around pissing everybody off. He goes, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a lot of people, a lot of my friends, you know, and since I started, there's been a lot of my friends that are just joking around and I said the wrong thing. I didn't mean to make them mad. I'm just joking, but they hate me now, so. Well, I've been actually a witness to that happen to you a couple of times with friends. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, a couple of times I've seen it happen where you've said something and I'll look at the comment or something. And I'm going, oh, man, Johnny, why'd you say that? You know, he's going to be so mad. He's going to cut you off for six months. You know, and it's just like that's the way it goes. <laughs> I've tried to change. I've tried to change. And it's, you know what? I am what I am. If I change, like- if I try to change my personality, I will not. I will no longer be Johnny of the Iron Show. I'll be somebody else. So I'm worried about trying to change myself. I don't want to change my core personality. I just got to get a handle on it and just try to control going too far with people. Because right. I, you know what you, you what you need to do is give everybody a warning. Say, look, it. I like to joke around, so don't take it personal. Oh, I've done that. That doesn't help. <laughs> no. You know, I'd say I would say that you know it's almost like you have Tourette's. But that would really be an insult to people who have Tourette's. <laughs> oh, you are so mean to me. You're so mean to me. Well, maybe I can make it up by. Um, then we can. Maybe I can make it up to Jendo if, like, we sponsor this big post on uh, this big campaign on the Fringe Radio Network to get I, yeah. her SUV it going. To the page. Yeah, go to the Fund Me site and because okay. she's because Jendo, even though she doesn't like me, she really is a really decent person. She's a wonderful person. She really is she's super sweet yes. and fantastic. And not and to me, not to me, not to me, but to everybody else. Yeah, she's just, well, you know, we know how you are, Johnny. So she is know, worth. She is somebody who is worth you giving a few bucks to help her fix her car. Absolutely, absolutely. She is definitely. Absolutely. I mean, if you, like if we like, all chipped in for your teeth, you yeah. know, chipped in. Oh yeah, I owe. <laughs> oh, Canary Cry Radio, Gons and Basil. You know, and all of you, you know, and, and and 
I'm, I don't want to name names, but there's some people that really helped me out, sent me to Mexico. I ended up right. with like 6,000 bucks. They sent me to Mexico to get my bone implants, you know, and uh, man, it's like I owe Canary Cry Radio and all those guys so much, you know, and you and everybody else, all my friends helped me so much. But uh, Jen Doe, she is really, I mean, if you're worried about wasting your money, oh, maybe I'm like trying to help somebody like, you know, for God and I'm giving my money, maybe I'm worried about giving my money to the wrong person but jen doe is somebody that if you gave your money god would be really impressed i mean she's worthy of you helping her out fix her car so she is definitely a very decent person and she's engaged in a really serious ministry too she's greater Uh, she's greater than me i'll tell you that yeah she's yeah she's really amazing so absolutely so when leonard said you know other people um you know had influenced him and 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 no you and then you were talking about brandon schwinn you know uh because you went to him to do a show or something like that and then johnny was saying how brandon is good with tech i was trying to share the jen posted the because I asked her to because I couldn't figure out how to copy the link and put it on the doors of deception page so I told her to post it and then I had to approve the post and I couldn't figure out how so she had to walk me through it because I'm so technologically inept and Johnny you know that <laughs> you know though that the Fringe Radio Network um when we first uh, bought it back in 2016 October 2016 it was right. getting six thousand page views a month. And which wow. isn't that bad. The 6,000 page views a month isn't that bad. Fairly right. good. Okay, well, 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 after we got done working on it for a year, now it's getting 6,000 page views per day. Good. So um, so we could put a big post right on the front page for Jen Doe to help her out fix her Excellent. car and the link to the GoFundMe. So go to the Fringe Radio Network. That's FringeRadioNetwork.com. FringeRadioNetwork.com. Dot com. That's fringeradionetwork.com slash Jen. And we will okay. set that you're up. You're going to put that up? You're going to put yes, a page up for I that? Am. Thank yes. you. Yes, you're going to help me because I need the links to all the all the stuff to help her yep, out. The, but the, fringe, the link is already on the Fringe Radio Network. It Facebook is not. Page. It will be. I'm. It's in my head right now, but it will be tonight on the website. That's fringeradionetwork.com slash Jen. That's J-E-N, Jen. One more time, that's fringeradionetwork.com slash Jen. And we will set that up, and let's help her get her car fixed. Excellent. That's Thank right. you. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome, brother. All right. God bless you. Yeah, we you know, there are people that are worth helping out in a big way. Um oh, also yeah. also Pastor Tadapudi Simon Peter in India, he's been with us since the beginning. He's been with us nine years. And he mm-hmm. is a preacher that lives in the ju- the southern India in the jungle, in the where the where the they still have loincloth wearing natives, idol worshipping natives. I mean hardcore. And uh you know, it's like, you know, it's like the Congo, only it's India. And that's what he does. He's got a band of missionaries, and he goes out into the jungle and preaches the gospel to these guys. And a lot of times they hurt him. So, um, but anyway, wow. uh, if yeah, P- uh, Pastor Tadapudi Simon Peter, uh, he's on my Facebook page. And now, all you got to do to help him out is to go to amenindia.org. That's amenindia.org. 
org. Once again, that's amenindia.org. If you feel like the Lord is help is calling you to like help somebody, help somebody that's poor, help somebody that's like a missionary in a foreign country. I mean, he is the guy you would go to. I mean, your money would not be wasted. He has an orphanage there, and you can see pictures of him feeding all the little orphans rice. It's, they're so cute, you know, and it just breaks your heart. But uh, and then yeah. you can see another picture of him. He he has a ministry to the lepers there. Believe it or not, there are lepers here in the modern world. In the oh, modern yes, age. yes, there are absolutely. Oh, he's praying to these lepers, and their fingers are gone, and their nose is missing, and it's so sad. Yep. And he's praying with them, and so yeah, yep. amenindia.org. That's amenindia.org. That's amenindia.org, and go to the fringeroynetwork.com website. That's fringeroynetwork.com slash gen. Once again, FringeRadioNetwork.com slash Jen. Yeah, the, uh, we the will... slash Jen won't be there quite yet. Not the, I just shared the link to the Fringe Radio Network Facebook page, the right. page on Facebook for Fringe Radio Network. It's, right. The link is on there right now. Right. If you are listening to this live at 8.24 oh, p.m. Yes. on the 4th of October right now, right. it's not there yet. But it will be right. as soon as I close out the show. I will create. Right. Okay. Me and Dory will get together and we're going to get this done so that if you're listening to this in the archives the next day, maybe on the 5th or the 6th or the 7th, it will be there. FringeRadioNetwork.com slash Jen. Great. And, and Dory, I got I to gotta get you on my show, man, on the eyes wide sure. open. I, 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 I want to get your testimony because I think you have a powerful testimony. I would love to get, you know, to. Johnny tricked me because last week I. I was shoveling rocks in my front yard and my husband was trying to put a door in and I was shoveling rocks because I had to get him away from my foundation because we've been doing this whole like outdoor makeover on the house and everything. And and I was determined that I was going to pull this huge, I mean, it was a full dumpster full of like a garbage dumpster, like you pull out to the curb, it's on wheels. I had this full, this thing full of rocks that I had been shoveling for hours and my husband was helping me and then a puppy walked by <laughs> seriously a puppy walked by <laughs> and, you had to go. and? Had to go see the puppy and I thought I'm gonna do this all by myself and I I heaved and it fell on top of me and then he had to take care of me and he had to get me in the house and then shortly after that he got I mean he got me an ice bag got my foot elevated up in the air so I couldn't really help him with the door and then the neighbor came over to help him with the door and so by like you know I was supposed to be on I think with you at seven or eight o'clock something like that we still didn't have the front door on okay there was a big gaping hole which you can't just cover up with and hope for the best in Minnesota, you know, it's just like, so, so I couldn't do anything because he needed to get the front door on and, and he was all flustered. So, you know, I have to be moral support for my, for my husband. So then now Johnny's, Johnny's punishing me tonight by making me be on the iron show. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's not, that's actually, that's actually not. Oh, you deserve to be punished. That's I'm telling you. But, He's like, oh, I bet you think you're going to be a guest, don't you? And I'm like, what? And he's like, you don't get to be no guest. You've been my co-host before. You're just going to be a co-host. And I'm like, all right. So I'm sitting here and we're like talking about chickens. And I'm like, wow, where's this going? <laughs> the 
yeah, I do. I, that's the that's why I'm so dangerous. I just take what I want. See, this was going to be Leonard's show. It really was. And I told yeah. Leonard, you know, I said, you know, I'm I'm just gonna take your show. I'm, I, you know, because that's what I do. And I'm gonna make it an Iron Show. What are you gonna do about it? He's like, well, he didn't fight show me. Up. He didn't fight me. He goes, no, it's all good. Let's do that. So yeah, I was kind of right. surprised that he didn't fight it's, me. It's over a good it. time. I just it's a beat, good time. I beat him up. He was looking like the Elephant Man, and I took his show. You know what? <laughs> I'm telling you, if you hadn't if you hadn't uh, decided to punish me for pulling a can of rocks over on myself, <laughs> I would have probably never got to hear Leonard's testimony. The thing so is, see, that's a blessing. Yeah. Oh, it is. I mean, that's, it's healing to me to hear it. It's healing. Huge. Healing, beautiful testimony. And it's huge for me personally to hear that I was a part of that, which, Mm -hmm. you know, for me it's encouraging because a lot of times Johnny's out in the trailer park and in the world thinking he's totally a loser. He's not doing anything good for the the Jesus, you know, and and so – so that, that helps me. It confirms that at least something good happened. Oh, yeah, man. Most definitely. Amen. That's why that's why I love you, Johnny. That's why I said, man, you got me, you know, listening to your show was a very inspiring. You and the way you are makes because people you need to laugh, you know. I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of people take themselves too serious. And I love the way Johnny is. He's real. He makes you laugh. And it's just it's just a genuine person, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I love about him. That's right. Right. But I do have to fly there, fellas. And now, well, what about this? What about fringeradionetwork.com slash Jen? You're going to have to help me with this now. Okay. Well, I can't do it while I'm on the air. Yeah, but, I, and, but after we go, you got to help me. You can't go anywhere. What, uh, listen, I have to go <laughs> do things. <laughs> okay, let's let's close this bad boy out here. Where's my music? Where's my music? Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! All right, you've been listening to The Iron Show. That's FringeRadioNetwork.com slash category slash iron. All right, all right. All right, I want to thank Bruce Collins. The Fringe Radio Network is on. Wait, that's not how it goes. I want to thank Bruce Collins. (laughs) I want to thank Bruce Collins, the clown prince of doom. The Iron Show is on the Fringe Radio Network at the behest of Bruce Collins. I want to thank producer Rick Hendrickson, producer Rick, for building the Fringe Radio Network starting out eight years ago. This is an eight-year-old network, and so that's uh, in dog years. The internet is the same as dog years, so sometimes eight is, uh, what's sometimes eight? Fifty-six. Yes, the Fringe Radio Network is 56 years old, actually. And may he rest in peace. Yeah, God bless him. And, uh, all right, I want to thank Dr. Future and Peter Goodgame for early inspiration. I would not be here without those two guys, starting back in 2007 on a really scary night. So I want to thank Dr. Future and Peter Goodgame. I want to thank Dory Etheridge, all right, and I want to thank Leonard Oliveras for being here with me tonight as my two co-hosts. All right, so, hey, remember, till next time, Johnny loves you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.